Hello and welcome to the Bellamancy Podcast. In today's episode, we are really going to go the distance and go an entire episode without talking about Genshin Impact, which is fucking amazing, by the way. My name is Dylan. My name is Victim. And I really think our audience doesn't give a shit about Genshin Impact, to be quite honest. But, uh, so today, Sarge is not with us. Uh, I think he's jet lagged or something. So he, the story goes, uh, Sarge had some business to take care of in, in Washington state. He was in the state where I live. Uh, he did visit me in person. He was going to crash the episode we were recording and be like, I'm here. Ha ha. Cause he didn't tell me he was coming. And he didn't really give me a good reason why he was missing the episode because he was going to crash it. But then he was jet lagged when he got here and he missed it. And then he never visited again because he was too busy with the reasons that he was actually here because he wasn't here to surprise me. So a comedy of errors. He's been back in Oklahoma for a couple days now, but he's probably adjusting. And it's kind of late. It's like 9 p.m. Pacific here. And that's like 4 a.m. Oklahoma time. So whatever. Uh, so today uh, we have another guest. It's not Jordan that we had last time. It is actually our friend. Should I call you Middle Chicken or Robbie? You can call me Robbie. Like, yeah, I... you were in a lot of Jordan's stories in the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I heard that. I heard that this is where I should come to find the thirsty Makoto stands and challenge them <laughs> with your Oro. Yes. Oh, dude, Oro, Oro is clearly the best character, not just in Third Strike, but he's the best new character to be introduced to Five. I mean, that's that's what you brought me here for, right? So what I should do is I should arrange a time for you and Jordan to come to my house and play Street Fighter, but I don't have that game. You'll have to bring it, but I'm sure that could be arranged. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or see, Oro's the best because he's an old man and he grabs people by the arm and then hits them on the ground like a, like a Looney Tunes over the top of his head. And he's like Master Roshi in original Dragon Ball. He's just the strongest guy around and nobody can even challenge him. So anyway... <laughs> So longtime fans of the show and anybody that's been bored and looked at my SoundCloud profile, if they found the show there, which is where the physical files are, by the way, and then the RSS feed comes out of there to go to everywhere else. Do the SoundCloud? That's where the episodes get uploaded, actually. And I take the RSS feed and I pump it into like Spotify, iTunes and all that bullshit. That's how the show is made. That's how the sausage is made in a way. Um, so anybody who's bored and goes and looks at my SoundCloud will probably find the pilot of this podcast where Robbie you're actually in it because you were one of the original cast members of this show it's true I don't remember that was like five years ago and I don't remember what happened but obviously you're not on every episode so this is episode two of the Melomancy podcast it's true <laughs> I, I what do you mean I'm not in every episode I know there was the one episode with Jordan that I missed so are you saying all the episodes that don't have Robbie are filler <laughs> I'm saying they're not canon oh my god <laughs> yeah it sounds about right to, to Victim's credit, though, like, ever since that pilot episode that you were in, Robbie, Victim has been in every episode. So, really... So is so is he the <laughs> Roxas to my Sora? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know... That's probably exactly what I mean. I didn't finish Kingdom Hearts 2, but it upsets me that I understood that reference. Welcome. <laughs> it's, it's a good reference, though, Dylan. God. So... Uh, there is a, a very short agenda that we should get through before we get to the stories. But much like we brought Jordan on last time, I, I wanted to give some D&D stories because, one, Sarge isn't here. Two, there's a lot going on in the news that isn't video game related, and I have nothing to talk about because everyone's talking about something else that rhymes with erection, and I'm not interested. You're not here for that. And if you're here for that, you're in the wrong place. I mean, what, we it. can't talk about erections on this show? 
That's going to cut my D&D stories in half, dude. No, no, no. Things that rhyme. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Yeah, erections are fine, but anything that rhymes with it, no, no. I've, I've decided that this show just isn't the place for it. I, I thought that maybe we'll do like a special on it. And uh, I was like, nah, it's a waste of time. Nobody comes here for our political opinions. And if they are, they should stop. We have pretty predictable opinions, though, let's be fair. Kill your heroes, be your own person. Seriously, stop getting it from media. So, besides the point. Except this media, listen to this and, and follow the things that Dylan tells you to buy. Buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. No, uh, I actually haven't opened one yet. I actually haven't decided how to monetize the show. This is just totally a hobby. Like, I think the right answer would be maybe we should make a donations page with PayPal. Except I can't log into my PayPal. My account's locked, and I have not been able to unlock it. I thought maybe we should make a Patreon. But Patreon as a platform has degraded significantly over time. It is not as good as it once was, and it's not as creator-friendly as it once was, unless you're grandfathered into their old schemes. And then Subscribestar is kind of like Patreon for edgy people. I mean, it's a legitimate business, but some people see Subscribestar and they just assume you got kicked off of Patreon, even if you didn't. To be fair, I know I know a few people that use both. So, I mean, that I think the outlook is going to change. It's just another place at this point. That's the problem with alt tech in general. It's like alt tech inherently is a good thing because centralization is bad. But like... Like, I, I'm a big fan of Odyssey.com. That's where our um, our clips are, our highlights. Uh, eventually, I will put them on YouTube, but they're audio files. YouTube is a video platform, right? Uh, it's not as flexible. But Odyssey.com, which is backed by the library protocol, that's like a, a more of a future, like, hey, we're building something that will outlive YouTube that doesn't directly compete with YouTube. And they try to get people who are on YouTube to upload to both because they make it really easy to do so. Whereas places like BitChute, and others they they kind of look really ugly and they really only exist for the reject crowd of youtube which there's a lot of people that get banned from youtube wrongfully don't get me wrong there's a lot of people that deserve to be banned off youtube and they both end up on bitshoot and it just it's just kind of a shitty place you know like it just kind of reminds me of like a like a really beat up car and it's like ugh, the hell happened to you because they can't afford <laughs> to get a new one but then that's classist and i shouldn't make that joke <laughs> Hey, man, if, if you got money, you don't own a beat up car. And if you do, it's not the one you drive. Right. So alt tech aside, I still haven't figured out how to monetize the show. Maybe we'll actually do it only fans. I mean, it wasn't made for porn. It just is currently for porn. Maybe we'll be the ones to turn it around. I don't know. But, you know, that's still coming. But I did want to talk to you, victim. Uh, so Sarge isn't here, unfortunately. But like I was just saying, you're the one who's on every episode with me right not necessarily sarge he's you know not been on every episode he's just on many of them so uh i I take your your word uh very seriously on this so i posted something in our little group chat that uh got ignored so i figured let's talk about it live if it's not interesting i'll cut it out of the recording whatever so i was thinking in the winter time maybe after this episode we should go on a vacation like, uh, from doing the show. Because I got a lot of family events coming up. I got kids, man. And it's, you know, the holidays. And I'll have days off from work. I'll be traveling. I don't know if I can necessarily uh, produce this show the way it exists today. But I'm not sure what solution we should come up with. Like, should we, like, maybe do double recordings and then uh, covering not time-sensitive topics and release them? Or uh, I had another idea. What if we did the show with our faces? on like twitch like let's say you stream if sarge is here he'll stream i'll stream not on twitch though 
uh, all three of us at the same time, talking about whatever, do it live, don't edit it, because that's the reason why I can't commit, right? Because the editing is very time-consuming for an audio-only show. And I don't want to stop doing an audio-only show. I'm just thinking, how do we fill the wintertime and actually take some time off? And I was thinking, what if we try it live over video? And then I could still make highlight clips. It might still be entertaining. And if it works out, it could be a visual component to the show that we do on the side accompanying the audio-only version. What I do you mean, think about that? I think that's an okay idea, especially since, like, I mean, in recent years, things have been really, really, like, uh, ramping down uh, for dark reasons that I probably will eventually bring up at some point, but to keep th- keep it short, um, my Christmas or holiday season, if you will, will be probably not all that po- packed, although it's hard to tell because COVID, nobody wants to go and do anything, so we might what little family we have around at the moment might kind of congregate maybe, but regardless, I should have time to do at least that. So mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. Like, even if you're stuck at home because of COVID and you have very limited interaction with extended family, you should still spend some time with the family you have around. And I, that will probably look different than what you're used to because everything's different because of a stupid pandemic. Right. Yeah. But like we should still make the most of our time. And I, I think I really enjoy doing the show and releasing every two weeks has been very good for the audience of the show. Like the metrics are terrifying, Robbie. You wouldn't believe in the last like seven. Actually, I can look it up right now. I mean, yeah. if we if we go from the last time I was on the show, like your metrics have increased astronomically. Yeah, I think I think our first episode had like five people listen to it and most of them were on the show. Yeah. So looking at the metrics on SoundCloud, I just pulled it up in the last seven days. One thousand and six plays of the show now i get that's amateur numbers sure but when we first started the show it was just me and the people who were in the show that kind of listened to it that cared yeah. enough to even listen back to it i used to put it up on my on my speakers and i'd go to sleep to it <laughs> yeah because it, it was fun to make it it was fun to listen back to it the whole reason we started the show was because our community used to live on TeamSpeak and then mumble right and we used to get into some really cool banter and i would just hit the record button and then I paid for a SoundCloud subscription for Infinite Space, and I would just upload them. If you go on my SoundCloud, many of those recordings are still there. Some of them are unlisted, but many of them are still there. And it's super cool to go back to like, you know, six, seven-year-old sound clips and listen to, you know, some of the ridiculous stuff and shenanigans we used to get into, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of stuff is, like, super nostalgic for me. And so, like, I've always really enjoyed making the show, even though we took two different year-long hiatuses. The thing that brings people to the show that keeps the numbers high and growing is definitely regular releases. And I was thinking, well, I want to take a vacation, but I don't want to stop doing the show. So I was thinking, well, maybe we should try a video component. And if it doesn't work out, we'll go back to audio only and just stick with it. Or if it does work out, if people actually like it, like we could do both because the video only component is just we show up and do it, right? It's like, it must be your experience doing this show, right? You could, yeah. you show up and you talk to me and then I'm recording and then I spend like a week editing out all the ands, ums, buts, silences and segments of the show that were not interesting, right? That takes a long time. Um, With the, the video show, it'd be like, not like that. You were saying? No, I just wanted to say, um. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. So for those listening... This very likely might be the last audio podcast that you hear from Melonmancy for the year of 2020. 
But keep an eye on Nelomancy.net as we will post updates for whatever our winter plans are. We'll probably do some live shows. Make sure you're subscribed to twitch.tv slash a victim of gaming. Uh, you can't subscribe to me because I'm spacecowboy.cc slash Dylon. There's no subscription button because it's like a self-hosted stream thing. But I will post when I go live on social media. So shitposter.club slash Dylon is where you'll find me. And you can find it there. And I'll probably post it on the Melomancy Twitter as well since we have a brand account. And it's technically mine. News will come. Let's get to the rest of the super short agenda. So there, there was something I wanted to do before this episode. I was going to buy Proteus, which is this new retro shooter that came out. It's an early access. It looks super fun. Has a level editor. It looks like everything I want in a retro shooter. But you know what I did instead, Victim? Uh, what's that? I played Genshin Impact. Yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> when I was ignoring all those messages you were sending me, I was also playing Genshin Impact. And then I uh, tabbed over and I'm like, oh, I'm not getting messages from Discord. Uh-oh. I don't want to go on a tangent about Genshin Impact, but there was a plan to go play Proteus and tell you about how cool it is. I guess I'll have to do that on the next episode, whether it's with our faces live or we record a bunch of audio ones that are not time sensitive and I edit them when I have time for release. I don't know. We'll see. But I do want to play it and tell you about it. An effort was made, but I just new games be damned. I'd rather play Genshin. It's fucking weird. Anyway, so Robbie. Yeah, what's up? Thank you for coming to the show. No problem. I just didn't want to intercede in all of your uh, behind-the-scenes business. No, it's fine. I, I just wanted to get that stuff out of the way. Also, this Four loco is real fucking strong. This is falling apart real fast. I didn't really have a structured plan for how to talk about all these stories, but I have some ideas. So why don't we start with you, and uh, how about I just ask you a question or two? So actually, no, no, no. Roll it back. So I need to talk about Episode 7 of the Melomancy Podcast. In Episode 7... Oren was on the show. He was in person at my house. And we talked about his worst D&D experience. And then I actually had it confused because the story I was expecting him to tell was the two girls, one cheese dip story, which is your story. <laughs> it's your story. That episode was like three or four years ago. And I was like, I need to get this story in audio format. So I asked him to tell the story from his perspective as a player in that game. And it was awesome. And it made it the episode title. But I was wondering, for all of our listeners who don't listen to our old episodes, can you maybe retell the story? Because it was really fucking good. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the first thing you need to understand is that at the time, we were running a bunch of uh, seat of the pants, quick and easy D&D games at the local game store. We were picking up and dropping players every couple of weeks, um, shifting game systems every couple of weeks. It was hard to get a consistent game going. So we were eager for players, especially players that seemed interested that were going to keep showing up. And we met these two girls, excuse me, we met these two girls at the college. And that should have been our first warning is that we met them at the local community college, but we were optimistic. So I like to give us a little bit of context. So. Not only were these girls at the local community college, they were from a community of people. Yes, they, they came from the couches. I refer to them as couchies. And we called them couchies because it was like this area. It was like a cafeteria. There was this elevated section that had more comfortable seating, couches, right? And it was full of these people that most of them had dropped out of college, but they were still here. 
right? And having worked at that college's IT department, I can tell you one of those motherfuckers went to school and one of them gave their username and password to all the people there so that they could all jump on the Wi-Fi because it only took one account. Wow. So really (laughs) only one of them went to school and it probably wasn't even a person at the couches. It was probably like a friend of somebody who was on like maybe a relative, right? And so this community of people would sit there at the couches and they would play uh, the hot new game. League of Legends. I don't know if people still play that game. It's old. <laughs> um, that's a joke. And um, they would play Magic the Gathering. They would play whatever, right, on their fancy laptops that were super humongous because they're old. And this was in like 2010. I mean, this story might have been from like 2008 or nine, but like it, it's the same community of people. They never left those couches and they stayed there way longer than anyone would attend school there because it was a community college. Right. So, yeah, some girls from community college. But these these are the wrong girls from the community college. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, don't don't get me wrong. These weren't like hot coeds from the local community college. Um, they were they were the bottom of the barrel people who were looking for a social activity and they didn't care what it was. Were they even attractive? I don't even know what they looked like. Uh oh oh man, you're really putting me on the spot with that kind of questioning. Personally, I would not say they were. Okay. They they did not conform to my personal aesthetics for what I would be looking for in a partner. Uh and we'll get around to their behavior, which was the which was a totally separate issue. Uh-huh. So we had invited them to the game and we had already put in the minimum amount of effort to get someone to go to the game, which is where you sit down with them and you talk them through creating a character. And these were uh-huh. new players. <laughs> we were starting off first level basic stuff. So with new players arriving, I wanted to run them through a basic adventure, a tutorial, do a little bit of a quest, find a thing, fight a thing, move on. The very first thing that happens is this is one of the girls, the older one. She says she wants her hawk, she's a hunter, to fly around above the city and search for tracks or something like i i'm not even sure exactly what she was looking for it wasn't really relevant to what was going on and so i say okay well it flies up in the air flies around in a circle hold on a second it turns out ox can't fly in a perfect circle and she needed to make that abundantly clear not just to me as the dungeon master but to everyone at the table that hawks couldn't fly in a perfect circle at this point i knew it was going to be a bad game session so when Oren told this story in episode seven, he mentioned that this went on for 30 minutes. Is that true? Yes. Yes. It was, a, it was, it was an extended argument because I fuck? started just by saying it flies in a circle. You know, you, you see the path out of town to the North and whatever other sundry details. It's too far in the past for me to remember. She felt the need to interrupt my explanation of what was happening to argue with me about whether or not a hawk could fly in a perfect circle and then i i i got riled by that i maybe i shouldn't have as the dm i should have stayed cool so my question was okay well what's the point if it doesn't fly in a perfect circle what if what is gained what what have you gained by flying in a slight oval instead of a circle you didn't see anything new whatever it did it didn't matter it, nothing was gained so uh <laughs> the next thing is that our local uh, game store is less than a block from a grocery store. So that's where we mm-hmm. would go to get our snacks. And we brought snacks because that's the way that you get players to attend games. If you bring food, they will show up. 
It's true. I can I can I can confirm that. Every time we'd go to the local like it wasn't really a community center, but it might as well have been. And we had all these like younger kids that wanted to come play. So a DM a friend of mine invited me over and that's exactly what she would do. Is she would bring like fifty dollars worth of snacks to make sure everyone Damn. showed up. <laughs> wow, that's 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 a lot of snacks, man. Yeah. Like Wow. I, like hmm. I was spending fifteen bucks and that was mostly on my own snacks. Yeah, like you you I remember you would bring like um a big bag of chips, like the the big like generic the volume value chips. Oh yeah, and, tortilla uh, chips and salsa and uh and some uh queso cheese. Uh sometimes I'd bring like a twelve pack of soda or something else, but I, I remember distinctly, uh whenever you did get soda, it was almost always vanilla coke, which was awesome because I never ever saw vanilla coke anywhere. Oh, vanilla coke is the best. That, it is. Don't don't get me off topic because I have good. a whole story about how like when I was younger I used to drink vanilla coke and then it disappeared and then I went to uh, Chicago and it was in Chicago and then the next time I visited Chicago it was gone and then I came back and it was here. I thought I was Cursed. going crazy, man. <laughs> it was running from you, or it was chasing me. Oh, that's fair too. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me more about this queso dip. Oh, oh yeah, dude. So I didn't really like the queso dip. I liked the salsa, but Oren was a big fan of the queso dip. And I, I liked it okay. But if you're not familiar, the usual rule for chips and salsa is that you'll have the chips open, you'll have the salsa or the queso open, and everyone will take a chip out, they will dip it once, and then eat it. And I know what you're thinking at home. You're thinking, oh, well, they double dipped. Or or they 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 like put their hands on the rim and like touched it. Oh no 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 no, it's far worse than that. Oh lord, we've been we've been spending you know the we we haven't a caught we spent the first thirty minutes arguing about whether or not a hawk can fly in a perfect circle. And during this time, somehow the snacks have migrated across the table. They used to be in the middle. They're now on the opposite side of the table from me, near where the uh, couchy girls are sitting. Eating and arguing with me about pedantic bullshit. And it's it gets to that point where, have you ever had that uncomfortable moment where you have to ask someone to hand back the snacks that you bought? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, that, I, I can't say I have. That's not, that's not normal. Last day of <laughs> high school, we had these two liters of pop that one of our friends bought in our group. I had, had them all down. This one kid, like he must have been like a couple years like younger than us, walks over just like, Full hand rips one of them from the circle of them and goes to like throw it in it like like not in a glass or anything like that. He was gonna go like mouth to bottle, and we're like, "Yo, dude, what the fuck are you doing? That's ours!" And we're like all like thrown off guard. And oh, like he he, he just, thought like, it was just for personal use. Like, oh, thanks, Chuck. Yeah, he, <laughs> just, like, he just looked Hold at on. us like we were fucking like idiots for yelling at him, and he just put it back down and walked away. And we're just like, what the. It's like <laughs> these are the same social conventions for a nice chest full of cans. Why? Why are you looking at me like that? It's a fucking yeah, two liter, dude. Fuck. Like you gotta, you gotta admit, it takes some real cojones to just walk up and grab a two liter and just be <laughs> like, "This is mine now." Like, yeah, dude, it was. So I, I dare weird. you to stop me, and you did. <laughs> well, we, to be fair, most of like me and my real life friends are all pretty passive people. Don't like to, you know, if he'd like. I don't know if it was like a bag of chips and he like took a chip out, probably wouldn't have said anything. Just like whatever, fuck it. But like he just like ripped it out and all of a sudden it's just like we see it there. And all of a sudden hands come into our view and the pops being lifted. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? Well, don't worry. I can top that. 
Oh, let's hear it. So, we're getting around to the end of the game session. There's a bunch of other bullshit that I'm skipping over. But, like, at the end of the game session, it was pretty clear that we were never going to play with these people again. Um, We didn't want to have to deal with them again. And Orin especially was pretty tired of it. So we're packing up our stuff, and, and they're doing that that awkward, like, when are we going to meet up again? What's the next game session? And, oh, well, we'll see. And we we really need to talk about it and decide what where the game's going to go from here. Not trying to be not trying to be rude or dismissive, just that like the game was over and Orin and I kind of wanted to discuss it because this had been a trial run anyway. And right as we're picking everything up, this one of the girls reaches across the table, grabs the jar of queso along with the lid. No warning, no words. Licks the inside of the lid, slathering the cheese around her face. <laughs> And then puts it back onto the jar and tries to hand it to me. It's like, is that like some kind of power move? Like, oh, I was like, no, th- that's yours now. <laughs> if that's not a power move, I don't know that, what else it is. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I wasn't prepared for that. I, I didn't know that we had reached the stage where we were licking things to claim them. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it only took one session for that groove of players to generate that fast because those girls were that bad. Oh yeah, for it your was, game, it was one game session, and then we so we stopped playing with them. We went, we we uh, a couple weeks went by, and we were running a different game at a different time on a different day. Weeks later, and they showed up at the store and and came back to where we were sitting and tried to sit down and just ingratiate themselves back into the game and our snacks. Mostly our snacks. So we did have to have that conversation about how licking the top of the cheese is not okay and how they were kind of disgusting and we didn't want to play with them. It's like, can you imagine that conversation? Like, hey, you're kind of disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) You are gross. (laughs) Do you want to do you want to hear the worst part about this story? There's more? Oh, there's more. I'm not even sure Oren n- remembers cuz that that was where the story ended in episode 7 when Oren told it. So let's oh, hear it. Oh, well the 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 secret ending to this story is that that girl, the couchy, later wound up playing League of Legends with uh our group of friends, I think through like one of Jordan's groups or something. I'm not going to like talk about that person's name or whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like dox them publicly. It was interesting because that person started playing League of Legends, and they were just as bad at League of Legends as they were with social conventions. But oh. in League of Legends, it was all everyone else's fault. Oh, oh yes, one of them. <laughs> I I've dealt with people like that before. Like uh, so when I when I was living with my brother in law, right uh, before I bought the house, because I, I live with him for you, you know the story. I live with him to save money to to get this house. And yeah. uh, we both like video games and we would play the same video games. And he had a Discord server where basically we would come across randoms that were better than random, right? And we'd be like, hey, you're cool. We had fun. Join our Discord. We'll play again, right? Yeah, you guys had a random farm? We had a random farm Discord, basically, where people that we would meet playing like Call of Duty, uh, he would play League of Legends. I did not partake in League of Legends. And then we would play like games like Apex Legends and the new Call of Duty and Valorant and whatever, right? Games that he liked that I was okay with. 
I, I, I do like Call of Duty. Like I, I'm the guy that used to say Call of Duty was was shit. The only Call of Duty games I've really played are the newest one and the one right before it. To be quite honest, and I only played them because I lived there and he wanted to play them. But I got really good at them, and they were a lot of fun, right? But um, we met some randoms there in our in our time playing video games online with strangers. And uh, there's a couple people that everything is everyone else's fault and they get really upset and they rage quit. And it's like, bro, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean, you said you didn't want to get into politics, so I I won't go too far into it. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we met someone on League of Legends who was an actual factual Nazi. Really? Yes. Impressive. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, He tried to invite us into a private chat and then explain about uh the the socialist manifesto and how they were going to take over america and at first i thought he was just memeing but as it kept going it got dreadfully serious and it never stopped it never stopped (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing it's hard to tell sometimes (laughs) when a troll's taking things way too far and then you get that one person who's just like no dude i'm being serious (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's like, if I keep talking to you, they're going to put me on a watch list. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> like, no thanks, dude. Like, oh, he already said he couldn't tell me half the stuff because he didn't want it. Uh, he didn't want it in the chat log. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's a lot of things like, like, I really don't like how YouTube will like overtly censor for like conspiracy theories because I think that we should be allowed to discuss conspiracy theories. I just think that there's a lot of conspiracy theories that are bullshit. But if we're not allowed to discuss them, then well, we can't just say they're all bullshit because we know that's not true. Right. And I, I think YouTube is doing it wrong. But uh <laughs> some there people needs to though, be a gradient. Yeah. Like some people go off the deep end and it's like, come on, dude, this is cringe. This is just there's, you're just being there's edgy. There's a difference between believing that a that a company is doing shady things and believing the earth is flat. Like those are not the same thing. Right. Like I what I always say is that cringe posting, sorry. Let me I said it backwards. The four locos really hitting me like way earlier than expected and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to future me who has to edit this. So it's like I always say, edge posting is cringe posting, but with confidence. That's all it is. Basically, you're just being cringy and confident at the same time, and you should stop. There are better things we could do on the internet than post edgy nonsense. So I spend a lot of time on, you know, shitposter.club. That's my social media of choice. It's a Fediverse server. We had Moon on a couple episodes back. He was the admin of the server. Go watch that episode. I think we're pretty sure it was episode 22. But like, I really like the idea of a decentralized social network where you can host your own server and set your own rules. And you can federate with other servers that have their own rules. And if you go get along, one server can ban the other, right? It's a good system. It works. It's just like email, right? I see a lot of edgy shit on that network and it's really cringy. It's not so bad where I'm going to like, you know, mute people or block them. Like that's overkill. But like sometimes I'll see like an edgy reply to a post I make and I'm just, I don't reply to it. I'm just like, what the fuck you doing? (laughs) <laughs> go do something else like we could be talking about video games or tabletop games or something that's actually interesting but you know you know some people just they just really want to go out of their way to tell me about how much they hate somebody it's it's really strange when you're in the middle of like like you said like a video game or talking about a tabletop game and somebody takes it to this weird ad hominem like personal attack that isn't contextual with what you're talking about yeah, like, if you go back to previous podcast episodes, yes, I did say 
politicians are lizards. They hatch out of eggs. But I was joking. I was just saying that because they're unrelatable, right? It was a joke. I call them lizard people because they're unrelatable, like a lizard person. They're right? they're cold-blooded. I don't actually think politicians are lizard people. I just think that they're evil. <laughs> and that was hey, just man, playing it up lizards. and being funny about it. Not not all lizards. Hashtag, right? No, I get it. Right. Right. Yeah, there are always, there's always going to be bad people and there's always going to be people that post cringe. But it's like, I think the internet would be a better place if we spent more time talking about things that we enjoy. Like, not everything is crashing down. Like, your your conspiracy theory could be valid, but I don't need to hear about it 24-7. I'd be satisfied if I only had to hear it once. Yeah. Or if it was like they took it and they posted it somewhere and then people could go find it. Like, that, that's why I don't agree with YouTube banning conspiracy theory content. They, they ban it wholesale, like not just the crazy ones, but the not so crazy ones. One of the things I do like about odyssey.com. So odyssey.com is just a, a, a website that consumes the library protocol conveniently owned by the same company, right? It's really complicated how that works. Are you trying to say there might be a conspiracy there? No, I'm, I'm saying they have an entire section of their website for conspiracy <laughs> theory content. No, I'm just I, <laughs> like good. they sectioned it off to a, a category. So if you want it, it's really easy to find. And they encourage conspiracy theorists to post there, not because they they want wrong think and you know nonsensical bullshit to thrive but because it's worth looking at for our both entertainment value and discussion because you know some conspiracy theories are just off the rails nonsense and some are actually reasonable it wasn't until you know jeffrey epstein died that people started making jokes about how he didn't kill himself he obviously didn't kill himself but like if we weren't allowed to discuss conspiracy theories would that meme have thrived probably not no not at all right and then, you know, there'd be a lot of people who'd be saying, you know, you know, don't don't call it a, a murder. He did nothing wrong. And it's like, hold on, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, didn't you say you didn't want to get into politics? Conspiracy theories aren't politics. It's OK. Yeah, but Jeffrey Epstein is. <laughs> it's OK if you make fun of both sides. This is the thing. Oh, right? OK. OK. I didn't know we were taking the South Park approach. <laughs> South Park politics are fine. Like that. That's the kind of politics I strive for. You can make fun of lizard people, but I'm not really interested to hear which lizard person is better than the other. <laughs> but no we're here to talk about other things i was just getting on a tangent <laughs> i know that was that was my attempt to subtly rein you back in but then you called it out so really i shouldn't have picked four loco as my drink for tonight because i think this was a mistake it's only 14 percent alcohol how many servings are in this thing four and three oh god <laughs> i thought it was like the big ass like it only comes in one size <laughs> it only comes in one size and it's four servings it's four and three fourths servings of fourteen percent alcohol. This can is full. Okay, of lies. okay. So Dylan, remember, even if it's a bigger can, it's still fourteen <laughs> percent. I feel lied to because not only does the alcohol facts say, like you know, like the nutritional facts say fourteen percent, but it also says a serving size is five ounces, and there's four and three fourths in here uh, of that uh, at the top of the can in like a a, a pre font. It says fourteen percent alcohol by volume. Uh, so. I thought, oh, 14%, like, you know, I got uh, a growler from the pub that was 10% and it was fine, right? Like a gla a couple glasses of that and I'm not even buzzed. I I'm slightly buzzed and that's it. So I was like, oh, 14% is barely a jump. But it's like, wait, I'm like halfway through this can and there's five and three fourth servings in here. Well, the other thing about Four loco is it has caffeine in it and caffeine is a diuretic. So like as it works through your system, you get dehydrated faster. Oh, fuck. I haven't had uh, a Four loco in a while. My last job, not my current job, but my last job, we used to drink them on the maintenance nights. Because I worked at night, and it, it was really shitty. And uh, a friend of mine, 
who jumped ship with me to the new company. A friend of mine would bring in four locos and we would uh, get a little buzzed while we uh, did the maintenance because it was a really mundane activity that nobody liked. Software is fun, guys. Great industry. Uh, anyway yeah exciting cutting edge stuff there's like lasers and stuff that's that's what all the commercials make it look like Uh so uh victim and if you don't have any good examples i'll I'll default to you robbie but victim have you ever had alcohol ruin a DD session uh yes (laughs) can you tell me about it yeah sure why not i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast yet so yeah i I think all parties are aware of this at this point. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll talk about it without like leaving anything out. We used to get together in real life for D&D quite a bit. And we do like two sessions a week about, and we had a guy doing like, he made his own system and everything uh, for this based on the blades in the dark system. And we were, I'm going to say like eight or so sessions in when he decided that he was going to invite two of our other friends to come play. Also, uh, were, before you go on, like two sessions a week—that's fucking insane. Like, yeah, well, we were two different shit. games, two different games. Like, oh, okay, because I remember, like, so me and Robbie, our friend Kyle, had a session at his house once that was like uh, two sessions a week, and it was like all day. And I was like, "How do you do this? Like, do you guys work?" Right? It was like, exhausting. My character yeah. died on the third session, and I never went back. And it was like. There wasn't that much in the way of snacks. They they were kind of poor. And like halfway through the 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 first like or halfway through every session, they they like they bust out the bong and they start smoking. And I'm like, I don't do drugs. This is what do I do? Like, <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just uh, watch them, you know, hit the bong while we uh, get murdered by this dragon. The game would also go really far off the rails once the bong came out. Like, it wasn't moderated bong usage. Well, were you there too? I don't remember. Uh, I've I've played with a group. I don't know if I played while you were there. But you're talking about with, with Kyle and yeah. and, and the their boss and stuff. Yeah, the, the people that work the call center. Like yeah, they, yeah, uh, yeah. There was like a castle building mechanic that Mike adapted into a really good game. No, Jordan. Jordan adapted it to yeah, a good Jordan. game that me and Mike and Victim were in. But it it spawned as an idea from that game, which had castle town building mechanics and i died defending that town from like an ice dragon i got like double 20 and uh, i was like yeah i'm done i was like this cool cavalier guy with like five bard companion chicks that were like cheerleaders it was like a it was like uh gary from pokemon and i had the cheerleaders you know like reptile reptile he's our man and it was awesome (laughs) right but did you have a red corvette no no Ugh. But I, I had five hot bards that like cheerleaded me. They're all level one, and they only existed for flavor text. Honestly, <laughs> oh dude, I, I've done that before. Just like take the leadership feat so you can have a crowd follow you around. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's the real power move. Like you could have this beefed out, decked out fucking uh, cohort, or you could have like an army of people that just make you look cool. That, that's what I liked about Orin's game that, that me and Robbie were in. Uh, cohorts were, like, vital. But I'll talk about that in a little bit. Victim, you should tell your story. Yeah, yeah. So we used to play for, like, six to eight hours. And so they came over with these two new people. I kind of knew who they were. They were a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend at the time. And they brought a fuck ton of alcohol with them. And I'm like, oh, cool. And everyone's just like, yeah, we're just going to drink tonight. No big deal. No big deal. So everyone's kind of drinking. And they're drinking a little heavier than everyone else. But they kept pushing me drinks because I was between the two of them. And I don't know how oh, to say no. no. I don't know how oh, to say no. no at all. So. Did you get White Girl Wasted? Probably about about halfway. That's going to be the episode title now. White Girl Wasted. 
Like yeah, that. I was I was way wasted ah. pretty fucking hard. So halfway through, and I'm just making stupid decisions. Like I'm like, oh, my character charges, and then everyone looks at me like your character doesn't usually do that. You've got a long range weapon that you can use like perfectly fine. I'm like, yeah, but I want to use my sword. And everyone's just like looking at me like, okay. And like shit's starting to hit the fan. And I'm like, not taking it seriously at all. And I forget what the catalyst was, but I I said something really stupid. And I set oh. off our DM who was already pissed off that we were basically just like sloshed to fuck. And he just was like, you know, guys, we're going to, we're done for the night. And he just got up and walked out. Oh, like, he God. didn't leave, but he like le- like left the room, and it's just like it's like ah oh, shit. Then the girl, the girl they brought, started crying because she felt like she ruined everything. And I was like, no, 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 it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. You know, it's a it's a successful game when you get a girl crying. Yeah, she's she's fucking just like her, her boyfriend's like gone. He looked like he was doing like <laughs> weed the whole night. Oh um, my God. And he's just not responding to like anything at all. We we then proceed to like stay there for like an an extra hour. And just, like, walk around destroyed until one of the guys who didn't drink finally was able to, like, drive us home. And, like, a week later, she breaks up with him. And... <laughs> Anyways, I won't, I won't go too far into that. But, like, yeah, no, I got so drunk, I don't even remember the night. I, I, I only know from second in account. They had, they had told me after the fact what had happened. So it's just, like, what a night. So, yeah, alcohol ruined that night pretty hard. We never played that session or that, that game ever again either. Like, he put a ton of work into it, too. I saw his notes. He had, like, a full fucking binder full of shit, and we've only played, like, anywhere in the range of, like, six to nine sessions. That's just wild. I remember uh, one time I was in a D&D game that was also at Carl's house. Um, different game. It was with my actual friends, not his weird work buddies. I remember, like, I was I did a session or two, but, like, uh, either the second session or the third, we decided to drink a bunch, and we drank a lot. And I remember, like, Kyle, like, started puking. And everyone else was just, like, really sloshed. And, like, the whole thing, like, fell apart so fast. Like, I don't even think... I I don't remember that night very well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Robbie, I think you were there. Um, So, so, uh, I... I mean, there were a couple of times where we went over to Kyle's to do something, and instead it just turned into drinking. I can offer you guys some advice, some words of the wise, if you're going to do drunk D&D... Either the players should be drinking or the DM should be drinking, but not both. That's probably a fair point. And I mean, the thing is, is like you can play drunk D and D and you can get totally wasted. But if you're gonna do that, you need to run like Fate or something, some something that requires less uh, conscious thought to be able to manage. It, it's actually kind of funny. The the game, the Blades in the Dark, is kind of, it's like a not really an offshoot, but it's like a similar game to Fate. But yeah, Dylan, I think I remember, uh, was that, was that the time where Kyle had the bottle of Everclear? Kyle had the bottle of Everclear, and I remember we were there, it was the first day I had ever met Christy, and we all got really drunk. Oh, oh yeah, and Christy, Christy had, like, the fireball whiskey, and- Yeah, she, like, drank the fireball straight, and I was like, and then Sam was there, and she, like, helped Kyle, because he was, like, over the toilet puking, and- it was a mess. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember we sat down and we, like, tried to get a game going, and people just drank instead. Yeah. Alcohol alcohol can be a very distracting element. Yes, and and Victim mentioned about, you know, his story, and then uh, you said that you know a D&D game is good when you make a girl cry. That reminds me... <laughs> Oh, what, what does it remind you of? <laughs> and I what just do you brought mean? Destiny to the room, in fact. <laughs> Hi. 
<laughs> I think we have a story to tell. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. So, victim, I don't know if I told you this story. So, um, there was um, and, and Robbie, you can correct the record if I get any of this wrong. So, I remember Destiny's first D and D experience ever. So, uh, in Destiny's first D and D experience, like we went to the, the local card shop or or game store, right? Or Ern was the DN or DM, and he had a uh, a sci fi setting where we we all had like a secret objective, and nobody knew what the other ones were, but we didn't. Nobody expected it to turn to PvP. Nobody expected it to turn to PvP. And what happened was, is Robbie was there and he was in the party and nobody suspected the the weird things he was doing of being like something that would harm us later. Because if I recall, like you went off and did a bunch of stuff. You recruited like NPCs and got like an evil lair and everything. Oh, yeah, I was I was doing all kinds of uh, shady stuff and I was kind of doing it intentionally. I was trying to paint a target on myself at the very least. Right, but but nobody thought that PvP was even on the table. We just, all we knew was that we all had secret objectives. And I remember, like, I was a talking sword, and my objective was to basically kill myself because I was, like, an ageless thing that was bored. And then there was, like, a some sort of, like, galaxy detonating bomb involved. It was a nuke. It, I a don't, nuke. I don't know if nuke. it was bigger than a regular nuke, but my my character's objective was to acquire and steal the nuke. And all the other characters, they had different objectives, like, based around the nuke. My character's specific objective was to obtain the nuke to accomplish a suicide. I was a talking sword that was bored from thousands of years of life. And um, so nobody saw PvP coming, but it, it came down to it because you were supposed to be a villain. You were given, like, extra power levels or something. We had no idea. I like, was... What, okay, what happened? Okay. I was... So, so Orin came to me after the game started, and he asked me if I wanted to be the bad guy because he actually what he brought up was that he was worried that you guys weren't going to have any conflict at all and he was trying to run a paranoia game paranoia is a system where everybody's supposed to be like backstabbing each other all the time and he says okay well if you want to be if you want to be the bad guy like what we'll do is we'll set it up so that you'll reach a certain point and you'll try to steal the nuke and the party will stop you and i'm like okay yeah and he gave me one extra power level, which is equivalent to 15 character points. So I was definitively more powerful than the other players, but uh, I was restricted by the power level restrictions. So, like, I only had a couple of extra bonuses on top of whatever you guys had. The whole time I was terrified because I was playing, I before I even knew what anyone else was playing, I decided to play a, a psychic creature. And when I showed up for the first game, everyone at the table had telepathy. <laughs> I was well I was I was a talking sword, so I needed it, right? So we had so we had a talking sword, we had a psychic assassin, and then I don't remember why the other person had telepathy, but literally everyone on our team had telepathy. And so the whole time I was, was just like waiting to be discovered. Because I was assuming that Orin was going to make me roll, like, to hide my intentions every time someone read my mind. Nobody read my mind. Several. Like, the whole time, I was just goofing off and being incredibly suspicious. Nobody bothered to check my motives or read my mind. It never crossed my mind. I was like, oh, we're all on the same team. It's fine. I didn't know it was a thing. It was my first game. <laughs> so, we were, so we, we, we got, we got to... <laughs> Uh, the, the big conflict. We reached the nuclear bomb. And 
at this point, like I, Orin had given me like the 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 cue, like you're not you're not friends with them anymore, especially Destiny. <laughs> and we're gonna and you're gonna attack you're gonna attack the party. And so finally, I got to do my one cool thing that I got to do, which was betray the party. And I had this cool power where I could swap bodies. You were like Captain Ginyu. Oh like, yes, it I was, was excellent. Ginyu. It was amazing. And before the bomb Beautiful. event, you did not participate because you were too busy chaining your physical body in like a <laughs> a closet. Like yep. you bound yourself in like a closet with chains and metal, and you were you in- incapacitated yourself, and then you swapped bodies with me. The talking sword man, based on Soul Edge, that could summon a golem to hold him. Yep. Right? You summoned the golem to hold me, which is basically Soul Edge, with a ridiculous amount of points in kill stuff. And then you <laughs> stabbed Destiny, <laughs> immediately killing her. <laughs> Knocking her out. You knocked her out. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you took the bomb and, and you sailed into the distance. What we didn't know, because the curtains had closed before it mattered uh the curtains had closed before it happened but uh, apparently your your body swapping was was time limited and you would eventually go back to your physical form or it was, something so so it was it was time limited and it was also every time increment uh you, i had to roll an opposed save so the idea was that at every like i think it was 6 seconds and then 12 seconds and then up the time value progression table you would get an increased save. So I couldn't possibly keep anyone body swapped forever, but mm-hmm. I could keep, but because you didn't, I think you ha- your character had mind shield, but you didn't have a will save. Yes. So your will save was terrible against this building uh, DC. I think that's why I took mind shield. And I think that was a bad character build move on my part. <laughs> honestly i didn't expect my build to work as well as it did uh <laughs> i i was kind of expecting that i was gonna get like one good body swap and stab and then i was gonna get booted back to my old body and then it was gonna be a a, a mouse hunt uh-huh nope. yeah I, like why <laughs> like that was the thing right i mean this is a little bit beyond the pale now but i was expecting to get booted out and i wanted to play like a like a cat and mouse game where I kept swapping boxes with people and you guys wouldn't know who was who. But instead, <laughs> I got the meme. Instead, then... you murdered everyone. <laughs> I knocked out. I knocked everyone out. You killed me. No, no. You all woke up later. Yeah, y- you were knocked out, but you were distraught and, and crying. And oh, yeah. It, we didn't get there. I, I finished. <laughs> uh, I was done with that game, so I was yeah. dead. <laughs> and then... You were emotionally compromised and could not continue. Uh <laughs> On this side of it, having played <laughs> through the game, there are things that I wish I had done differently. Like actually kill me. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, I really should have done the double tap on that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that system was Mutants and Masterminds. It was actually very forgiving to the whole character death thing. Like, superheroes never die in their stories. You know, they get knocked out, and then they come back. Like, it's that's just normal, right? Uh, but it was, de- again, it was Destiny's first game, and she thought it was over. She thought her character that she spent, like, three days making, very meticulously, because it was her first character, died in the first session, and she was just distraught. <laughs> now, we are recording, so you, you do forgive him. Yeah, oh, yeah. For the record. It took me a few years, though. 
It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Better late than never, right? We it's, talked about this before, but we have to be recording, so I, I figured I'd bring it up. It's on the record now. Yeah, now it's, it's now it's on the record. <laughs> it's no big deal. She forgives you. I forgive you. <laughs> oh, is that why I'm allowed on the podcast again? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so Destiny, I brought you in the room. Because mm-hmm. I knew the story was coming up. Yeah. You're free to go. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Dabby. <laughs> Goodbye. Later. She has left the room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that game was awesome. Mutants and Masterminds is a beautiful system. Second edition, Mutants and Masterminds is a beautiful system. Uh, I had my first DMing experience ever and only in Mutants and Masterminds. And that is recorded and on my SoundCloud, actually. So if anyone's interested in a episode by episode, session by session, uncut Mutants and Masterminds game, that is on my SoundCloud. And it actually was really fun and went really well. Unfortunately, uh, Robbie, the stars did not align uh, because I wanted you to be there for close to the finale uh, because I reused your famous Ian Whitholm character. Uh, But since you weren't there, he didn't make a real appearance and he was just mentioned. A disappointing conclusion. I know. I know. It was funny because there was like a final bit that took place in the primary universe where Whithome Pharmaceuticals is from the game. And I'll let you explain what these details are in a second. But like the, the party was there and the world was like apocalypsing and they go inside and like the receptionist and all the, the staff working at Whithome Pharmaceuticals are like, uh, supers, what do you want? Like <laughs> the fucking world's <laughs> falling apart around them and they just don't care. Like. <laughs> We we still have jobs to do, you know. Like I don't even remember why they were there. I think they needed your space elevator or something. So why don't you tell the the audience listening about this revisited mul- multiple times revisited Mutants and Masterminds universe? I kind of want to know how you would describe it to somebody who doesn't know. Oh, like the whole New Madrid everything. How did this setting come to be? Because we kept coming back to it. So this setting was initially created by Orin. We had we had played a game of Mutants and Masterminds uh, based in a setting that I ran, and then half our players left, so Orin wanted to take a crack at it. And the, the setting was, he literally just said, show up with a character, we're gonna, it, it was the Mutants and Masterminds equivalent of you're all gonna meet in a bar and go on a quest. So... None of us had any idea what it was going to be before we showed up. Not even sure if I can remember everyone who was in that initial game. There was there was myself as Ian Whitholm, which that name I came up with literally 10 minutes before the game started. I just wanted something that sounded posh and British. And, and who is we, Ian Whitholm? He was just a dude with a shotgun, right? Uh, he was a dude with a shotgun and 43 points in regeneration. Oh. <laughs> So And di- didn't you also put a bunch of points in device for the mortal cycle? Or was that uh, later? Okay, so so for so if I'm doing character stuff, so Ian Whitholm had forty-three points in regeneration, which meant he could regenerate from any injury in six seconds. He, all of his other stats were normal. Mm-hmm. Uh he had a shotgun and he had a device called the Mortal Cycle, which was a motorcycle that could eat cars to regenerate itself. <laughs> Uh, and then didn't he abuse his regeneration powers to to create a successful pharmaceutical company that ruled the world? Yes. So uh, I also put a bunch of points into wealth. 
though I had just Bruce Wayne levels of absurd money to spend. And I didn't use it for it for most anything except as a convenient way to move the plot along. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, oh, well, there's a thing going on in Africa. It's like, okay, I buy a helicopter and we fly to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> just because, you know, we were superheroes and there wasn't supposed to be like a big... Getting to the location is not mm-hmm. the fun part. Right. Traveling to Africa isn't a, like, 50-episode anime like JoJo, right? It's You just go. You're there. Yeah, Boom, we, we go. We get there. I, I mean, money could be a superpower, too. Mm-hmm. Well, he was like, Batman what? rich. He, he wasn't <laughs> Joseph Joestar rich. He was Bruce Wayne rich. They go in one day. Yeah, Africa, yeah. you're there. Pff, done. Yeah, right? we, we I bought a supersonic jet, and I flew there, okay? Like, what do you want? Anyway, I, I believe we figured it out once. Uh, with the amount of wealth score I had, I could consistently purchase an aircraft carrier uh, without hurting my wealth score. Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> it, well, look, the, the, the thing about Mutes and Masterminds is that as great as the system is, the scaling on it is really broken. Because everything just increases geometrically. You're supposed to feel powerful in that yes, system. exactly. Even at the beginning. So... Ian Whitholm was just supposed to be Wolverine, but instead of with like instead of having metal bones and claws, he was Batman rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, it was great. And uh let's see, who else did we have in that initial game? I think we had a guy who was basically Magneto. Uh we had a a a chef with super speed who dual wielded katanas. Because of course he did. Was that Jordan's character? Oh uh, no, that was <laughs> Dustin's character. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Jordan, I think, was the. He wasn't exactly Magneto. I think he like conjured metal from elsewhere. Anyway, uh, and there was someone else. I don't even. Must have been Mike, right? Had to be in Mike. Yeah. Or Kyle. Oh, oh, that's right. I remember. Mike. He was the pilot. I assume the people on this podcast know who Mike is. Yes. So Mike started as an electrical character. Like he could shoot lightning and was living electricity. And then that character murdered a bunch of civilians. So he swapped over to being (laughs) a teleporter. (laughs) We'll get back to that if you want. Um, Oh my god. uh, And then from the and that was where we first got Susan, the spaceship. Wasn't he a pilot when he had he Susan? He was the pilot and a teleporter, yes. Oh, okay, so he had a teleportation power, but the rest of his points went into, I have this ship that is really good, I'm not very good, right? Yes, he made a he, he made a, a short-range teleporter who had the spaceship, and I believe he left the entirety of the construction of the spaceship up to Oren, who was the DM. Mm-hmm. Also, for for those who are not familiar with Mutants of Masterminds, like a lot of really cool superhero shenanigans can be done with a lot of the powers. Like, for example, Device. Like, if you wanted to be Iron Man, you'd put points into Device, and you'd make a suit that's really powerful. And because the suit could be taken away from you, the man, you could the suit is a lot more broken than if you just gave those powers to yourself. Because that's how the power point multiplication works. Yeah. So if if you have a gun that can do anything. Uh, but without the gun, you're nothing. Like, yeah, that gun's gonna be fucking awesome. But if you just gave yourself the same powers innately, it's gonna cost way more points. And you probably can't do it until you're high level. So that's how that works. It's also a system that's very good about, well, good. It's, 
it's balanced around the idea of putting on extras and flaws. So if you make a power that is very, very specific in its usage, it can be very, very powerful. Or you can have a really, really generic power that you can use for everything. But it'll cost you a ton of points. Mike didn't really want to build a spaceship. He wanted to just have a spaceship. So he left it up to Orin, the DM. and Yeah, so Orin made yeah. a really good spaceship that was also evil. Wasn't it powered by bad news? Yes, it went to the worst place and the worst news that it could find. So it was drawn towards bad news, because that's what powered it. And it was slave- it, it was, like, devoted to Mike's character, but it was almost like, uh... Oh, man, what's that weeb anime... The, the girl that wants to stab you. Um, the girl that wants to stab you. You got more details? Like, she's in love with you, but she wants to stab you. Sundere? Oh, uh... Yandere. Yandere. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. Susan is basically that. Susan is in love with Mike's characters, all of them, I think. I, I think that's just Orin trolling Mike, though. <laughs> <laughs> but she's... She's a she's an evil AI in the most arch traditional way. Like she wants to kill all the humans because they're inefficient and all of the normal sci-fi things. But we all know that she's an evil AI, so it's fine. But yes, yeah, so we had that game and we wanted to set it in a setting that was similar to the Pacific Northwest because that was the climate we were used to. Yeah, that's where we all lived. So, and uh, but we didn't want to set it in a real city, so. Uh, someone suggested New Madrid because there isn't one and, you know, you can always just add new to a city. Mm -hmm. It becomes a new city. That was actually the entire basis of the Means Masterminds game I ran because it was a, a story about traveling to alternate dimensions where instead of New Madrid, which you're about to explain, was a gigantic city. It was new something else, but a different thing in each dimension. Yeah, I mean, New Madrid was chosen basically at random, so that does make sense. Right. And it was basically a mega city that took, like, all of Washington, Oregon, and some of California, right? Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was settled a little bit south of Seattle, but it was gigantic. It was, it had all of the Seattle stuff, it, it was most of Oregon, I think, and it kept getting bigger every time it was iterated. <laughs> Like, I think it started off as just, like, a normal big city. Like, it was, it was like a San Francisco or something. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger as the scenarios got more and more absurd. The scenario that we started with was just somebody dumping zombie virus into the water supply. <laughs> which sounds like a big deal. Did, did Old Yeller come tell the boy by the well, oh, there's, there's poison in the, the water with the zombies? Like, I mean, it was, was kind of like that, except instead of Lassie, it was Dr. Veblen, oh, who God. is a crazy scientist who makes all of his inventions using gumdrops. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, a little aside, uh, the first session of D&D &D tabletop anything that I ever played was Mutants and Masterminds, and my first character was a magician in this setting. He was a drunkard, which is funny because I'm a little toasty right now with this four loco, right? Um, some digital. Uh, right? So he was a magician and he had uh, to pay for some of his powers in the character creation. He had a flaw called full power where uh, all of his abilities uh, are only good in moderation. Uh, but if he fails like a certain role, uh, which gets worse the more he drinks, uh, the more likely the, the ability goes off at its full strength. 
which only applies to abilities where that would be a downside. Like teleport. Full power. Like one time, um, I was trying to teleport from one rooftop to another. I failed. And I ended up in the polar ice caps. The maximum distance that he could teleport. Right. I was about to freeze to death because I was just, I was dressed like, I was dressed like Lupin from the, the parody Harry Potter musical. <laughs> That's what I looked like. <laughs> right. And so I was like, fuck, I'm going to freeze. And so I used heat control. I failed that too. I melted the ice caps. It was a comedy of errors. But it was in this setting that I had that character. And at some point, Dr. Veblen got a hold of me and he like he put a computer in the back of my head, which made the back of my head like metal. And it was like a gumdrop printer or something. I don't really remember the details, but it was really weird. <laughs> but Dr. Veblen was a weird dude. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Orin, Orin had a, ha, has a real talent for that kind of thing. Uh yeah, Dr. Veblen is is a he's a classic comic book mad scientist, but everything is made of gumdrops. I mean made of gumdrops like sugary, sticky, will melt in the rain gumdrops. <laughs> every character in that setting was so colorful and memorable that I, I enjoyed every minute of every session in that setting. Like it was so good. Oh yeah, we had we had Dr. Veblen, who was the gumdrop scientist. We had Green Dragon, who was a guy in a dragon suit who had all of the powers that you would classically associate with a dragon. And, like, wasn't he the mayor? But he was the mayor, and everybody loved him. <laughs> so kind of like Green Arrow, but dragon powers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, instead of having all of the powers of an archer, he had all the powers of a dragon. And if I've learned anything from tabletop gaming, clearly Green Arrow is the more powerful of the two. <laughs> First edition. <sighs> oh yeah uh, roll roll or not die uh anyway so there was guy there were two guiding lights which were superheroes that were sponsored by the totally not catholic church but it was the catholic church it was it was definitely the catholic church um but they but they were like a secret underground organization that was set set in the vatican <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Sorry. <laughs> so there. So uh, the first guiding light had Excalibur, like the sword. I don't know what Excalibur had to do with the Catholic Church, but that was Oren's thing. I didn't have to explain it. And then he got defeated and replaced by a female guiding light who went crazy because she got defeated and then turned into a succubus woman who then got shot in the face. If I recall correctly, uh, we stole guiding lights hammer the female guiding light uh we melted it into like a, a a point it wasn't really a sword it was more like a lance or a an icicle yeah <laughs> of metal of holy like unbreakable oh, do you want me metal to tell that story of of yeah how we, of how we save the world yeah 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 set the stage and tell it i am not able <laughs> all right so we had we so so Ian Whitholm had been taken away by the Vatican to uh, Rome, where he was being kept in an underground facility. The rest of the heroes had come to rescue him, and meanwhile, Cthulhu was eating the sun. <laughs> now you might be wondering how Cthulhu was eating the sun, and that's because we tried to shoot Cthulhu into the sun to murder him, but it turned out that Cthulhu was more powerful than the sun. Dragon Ball rules don't work. You can't kill everything with the sun. If only. I know. But we had a new plan. 
So we so once the other heroes arrived in the Vatican and rescued Ian Whitholm, or sorry, the Vatican, no relation, and rescued Ian Whitholm from the the underground mummy or something. I I can't remember. <laughs> then we started we started running through the city while Susan, the spaceship, flew to us and we stole guiding lights. Must have been a hammer at that point. It was a hammer, yes. And uh, because we knew that in order to defeat Cthulhu, we needed something that would deal holy damage. So we took it, we melted it down into a spike. A really rough spike. We didn't have a lot of time. Uh, the sun was being eaten. Uh, mm. And as and every time we took an action, Orin would describe as like, the blackness in the sky grew bigger, and the, the shadows cast longer across the world. I think he even had like a ticking timer. Until the sun was gone, so it was it was nerve wracking a little bit. So we melted down uh, this, this hammer, and once Susan touched down, we fastened it to the front of our spaceship. Now, as as uh, somebody brought up earlier, the ship was powered by bad news, mm -hmm. and the worst possible news that anyone could think of was being devoured by Cthulhu. So we started accelerating Susan towards. Cthulhu as fast as we possibly could and because the bad news got worse the closer we got to Cthulhu she went faster and faster until she reached the speed of light at which point we detached the nose and spun out of our uh light speed dash which is definitely not how light speed works and <laughs> the nose crashed into Cthulhu moving at the speed of light, meaning that the mass had increased to almost infinite, or infinite. I mean, it, it, I assume some, it slowed down a little bit before it hit Cthulhu. So we did approximately infinite holy damage to Cthulhu, thereby defeating him, and he exploded, releasing enough energy to save the sun and create three Cthulhu children for us to deal with later. Fucking amazing. And that was actually the basis of my campaign that I ran, right? Like the villain in my campaign was Nerlathotep, which in the Lovecraft mythos is like a, an uncle or, or some relation to Cthulhu. And he was mad at Ian Whitholm that Cthulhu was killed and sought revenge. And that set the plot in motion for my campaign as he would give powers to people to make them go do things for him that were not good. It was all, it was half, oh, Narlathotep was related to Cthulhu, and we killed Cthulhu, and half, oh, this is a really cool way to rip off Persona. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with ripping off Persona. Because Narlathotep literally empowers the villains in the Persona franchise, but <laughs> it was conveniently not a ripoff, and a ripoff at the same time. There was a, there was a lot of fun that you you guys had in that session. I also really like playing like the the villains for you. I know it? victim was co DM for me. He didn't play a character as I needed help uh, voice acting some of the villains. I I don't remember. I, I should re, re listen to that series because I just don't remember the shenanigans <laughs> as they played out. But I remember if we if we could things. find a way to make it ridiculous, we did. Yeah, like I remember one of the alternate universes they went to was one where. Um, Think Tank took over the mega city and the world, right? And so it was like a, a Nazi, like fascist state, 
with Think Tank because Think Tank was a a brain in a jar that was a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a super intelligent Nazi scientist who kept himself alive inside of a a like a classic brain in a jar. And for the first couple of game sessions, he he was a he pretended to be an ally and he pretended very badly to not be a Nazi. Right. So do you remember that scene from Big O, the anime, where all the Megaduces rise out of the sea and they walk towards the shore? I basically created that, but as a boss fight for that universe, and the party managed to take care of it. I had to, like, make a whiteboard and, like, draw where all the, the Megaduces were that they were taking out because they were really strong. It, it was wild. It was just a crazy game. I, I don't even remember how I pulled it off. I don't think I could do it twice. Oh, yeah, those are those are always the best game sessions when you... Get something going and you wind up having to improvise it on the fly. Oh, yeah. As opposed to coming in with a set plan. Some of my best games have been when the players have taken like a like a, an abrupt left turn off of what I was planning to do. And I've had to construct an entirely new scenario for them. And I think that's what uh, Mutants and Masterminds is really good at is because the mechanics are so straightforward. They can be applied to almost any scenario. Like, once you know what your character's powers do, you can do a, a train heist or a rescue from a fire or fight a bad guy or travel different dimensions because the system is in, is consistent enough. Right. So that reminds me, Victim, I don't know if you were the DM or if you were a participant, but didn't you uh, participate or run a game where uh, V-Dog, our friend V-Dog from back in the day, just didn't want to participate with the party and ended up getting killed? Oh, God. Because that's a good example of somebody not following the plot. I kind of want to hear it. Yeah, that was <laughs> Pathfinder, if I recall correctly. But we, um, I forget what, what it was, but basically he randomly decided that he was going to fall in love with the antagonist that I had presented to the party. She was labeled as being uh, an assassin that the king's ship had exploded. Nobody could find the king anymore. Like they found this out later on, but like basically, I painted her as like this. This lady, you don't want to deal with her. So he decides to, and the party, you know, is all in the vicinity. So I'm like, okay, well, the guards hassle you, and like they didn't get really arrested, but they were like being strong armed into like finding this girl for them. But V Dog wouldn't back down. He's like, no, 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 and like he tried to like hide her and like sneak her away and all this other shit and i'm like v-dog at this point they're just gonna kill you dude like i don't i don't know what else you want me to do we're like 30 minutes into the session i'm already like having to contemplate the npcs like hanging them at the gallows how, how did you get out of that like did you like actually kill him and then he woke up from a dream or like yeah so what we did at the at the end of the first session is i basically fast-tracked it i'm just like all right v-dog you get arrested they haul you off, and like a week later, they hold a trial where it's incredibly one-sided because this is like a very authoritarian, very like royal family rules. And if you fuck up, they don't really give you another chance. Like they pretend they they pretend to, but whatever, right? Like he just, basically he got hung in the in the town square while the party goes do whatever the hell they ended up doing. But someone I forget who it was someone behind the scenes. It was like either like Mike or Jordan. Uh, I was like, hey. Maybe we just give him another chance. Maybe, just say it was like a, it was a dream he had, and Mike knocked him out or something, and they they forced him to go with them. So I was like, all right, I'll give him another chance. It's whatever. 
And then, like, for, like, the next two, three sessions, he refused to leave the city. Oh, my God. And do anything with the party. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to sit in my blacksmith shop and be a blacksmith. And I'm like, all right, you're a blacksmith. Luckily enough, he just then stopped coming. Why, why was he even <laughs> there? Didn't have to kick him Good out. Good God. Exactly. Like, oh, my God. Role-playing to the extreme. And, and the worst part about it, too, is I was running a mundane setting where magic was more about items rather than it was about, like, playing a magical class. And he was like, hey, listen, this class isn't that magical. Don't worry about it. It, it was pretty magical. He was playing a, a time thief, oh I guess. God. It was like some weird <laughs> third party thing. And I'm like, okay, but every time you do it, you're going to glow magically. And everyone's going to think that's fucking weird. So what does he do? The moment that the, the first fucking moment he gets, he shows the party that he can do magic. And they're all like, well, that's fucking weird. And they don't trust him anymore. <laughs> And he's like, well, I don't get it. He's like, he's like, well, you know, I, I told you the setting, like, that's going to be a bit weird. And everyone, you know, everyone was in on it. Like, it wasn't like a secret. And he's just like, uh, I don't know, dude. Everything was against me with him in the game. And I, and it, it sucked, too, because, like, trying to play around him, I think, really ruined the start of that one. He's cooperated in other games for you. Like, this one was just a, yeah. like an extreme, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> So, Robbie, uh, I, I, you already told a story about uncooperative players, but do you have more? Oh, I was just about to say, like, I, I, I have a story that, that that reminded me of. Let's hear it. Uh, so this was, let's see, this would have been back in her of this year or last year, rather. Um, less than a year ago, I should. Uh, we were taking a hiatus from the Mutants and Masterminds heist game that we were running because Orin had left and didn't have enough players and I didn't want to run anything without all my players there. So we were going to run another interim Mutants and Masterminds game set in a different universe. Uh, this is a different than the New Madrid stuff. It was a little bit more serious, a little bit darker, but still superheroes. And we needed an extra player and I'm not sure if you guys know Michelle, but she met someone at, the, mm -hmm. again, at the local community college to bring. And again, I should have known. I should have known when she was bringing somebody oh, from the no. local community college that it was a bad idea. But he needed an extra player, and he was trying really hard, at least in the Discord chats before the game, to be like really proactive, to be really engaged with the group. So I was excited. You know, I was excited to have somebody else who was uh, enthused to be there. So the very first session, he shows up and we're making characters because he'd never played Mutants and Masterminds before. He's like, okay, well, I want to be the smartest character. Okay, well, like, that's a that's a, a power fantasy that I could see, you know, that you can do in a superhero game. You can be a smart, intelligent, crafty person. Yeah, that's what I'm doing in a game right now. Did he go, like, full Ozymandias or did he, like, flounder? Yeah, he was. He went full Ozymandias. <laughs> he wanted. He wanted to be smart. He wanted to have a business, although he wasn't like crazy Whithorn rich. He was still rich, uh, and he wanted to have mind control, which felt like he wanted. He felt like he wanted to have like sort of Professor X style mind control, where it was more like he could read one person's mind, but if he really pushed it, he could control them. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can have a Professor X guy. That's fine. And I'd set up this game where they were supposed to be a family. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have to be, like, mother, 
a father, brother, sister, baby or anything, but the, I wanted them to all be vaguely related and part of this cultural thing. And he's like, oh, well, I want to be our dad's favorite. Mm. Okay. I mean, that that's strange. I can see the red flags. Yeah, I'm like, that's, mm. that's okay. Like, I someone has to be the favorite. And, like, that could be his thing, is that he's, like, the try-hard, like, putting all the, his effort in and everything. Also, like, ten years from now, if my kids are listening to this, I would never pick a favorite. You're both amazing. That's just what he says <laughs> in front of you. He already told me which one the favorite is. And you know, you both know which one it is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Look at him try to deny it. It's okay. Destiny has a different favorite than he does. It balances out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> no. So go on. Uh, he's so so he wants to be the favorite. He wants to be rich and smart and successful. And so we get into the game, and he immediately starts just contradicting and arguing with any plan the other players put forward. Everything. But for what purpose? Because. In his own words, he wants to roleplay the asshole brother that gets everything he wants. That's just, like, annoying. Okay, so, so <laughs> this is the, so, so we're done with the first session. And this has been going on all session. And I, I go to him after the game and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I don't mind that there's contention inside the game. I don't mind that the, that players have different or opposing goals, but you really need to be coordinating with the other players in order to accomplish things. Like, I don't want every game session to just be this circle jerk where nothing gets accomplished because everybody's too busy sniping and backstabbing each other. And how did he take the news? Oh, he was like, oh, I understand. I'm just trying to, to present a more interesting and, and dynamic, and I want a character who has an arc. And I was like, oh, okay, an arc. Well, then what I did, because I was like, oh, he wants an arc. So I I wrote an arc for him. So you're going to, like, humble him with action. Yes, like, that's, to me, that is where the that arc goes, right? Is that that character mm -hmm. must experience failure so that he can then grow and become a better person. So how did that go? So we, we, <laughs> we come in to the, to the next game session, and the, the big twist is that they're actually solving a murder mystery. Their father gets killed. Actually, it was their grandfather. Sorry. Their grandfather gets killed. They don't know how it happened. That's why they're all a family. They need to solve this mystery. He walks in and he's like, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I roll to solve the mystery. What? Oh. And so I'm like, <laughs> really? No, I'm, I'm sorry. There's not enough here for you to solve this mystery. You, you don't know what's going on. You don't have any clues. Being intelligent doesn't let you, like, see into the past and see this event and so then he starts trying all these other things that are they're good ideas but they're not like actionable DD ideas he's like okay i want to search through our records for anyone that might be a suspect it's like okay well i i understand where, where you're coming from as a as a mechanical player but like this is session two you don't have a suspect list I can give you some ideas, but, like, it was like he wanted to solve the mystery in that room. Like, he didn't want to leave and investigate or interact right. with any other characters. It's like, that's just wild. Like, the, the mystery is the whole game, dude. Like, and he thinks it's just one component of a larger thing. Well, right. and, 
And, like, he wants to solve the mystery in a way where he rolls some dice and I tell him what happened. He doesn't want to, yeah. like, meet anybody or talk to anyone. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, uh, I was watching Victim's Stream. He was playing Final Fantasy VII, right? And uh, there is this part in the ancient city where you're leaving and he, there was these chests he uh, almost didn't get. But I was, like, kind of worried that at the beginning of that area, there's this like area, and if you turn on the select button, it's an area. It's a, there's a door there in the corner, right? But it's not. It doesn't go anywhere. There, there. You, even with a game shark, you cannot go through that door. It doesn't go anywhere. It's cut content, and I was worried that he was going to try to figure out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to. So, so you have to really leave the SSN, right? And then you have to surf over <laughs> behind the truck. No, <laughs> and you use strength on the truck. No, and then you can and then you can catch uh, a a, a peekaboo, and then you That's can use peekaboo to open the door. Okay. Uh huh. You know what's really funny? Someone actually made that exact same reference in chat. I don't know if it was for that specific thing, but someone did mention that yeah, for something I was there for that. Some someone. Yeah. Me- I think it might have been Jordan. He mentioned the the mew in the truck. It might have been Mike. Somebody yeah. mentioned that in reference to how you spend a lot of time looking for all the secrets an area has to offer and then there's like random encounters and we're just like oh my god we know what comes next because we've beaten this game and you haven't and we really want to see it please continue <laughs> yep. jordan stop looking jordan was telling door. me <laughs> jordan started telling me all about cut content as i get to it so i wouldn't get hung up on and it. now he has this new job and you're halfway through disc <laughs> two and it's like oh god he's gonna go look for everything the, you're at that part of the game where you're at the world map. You have the airship. So, yep. like, you're going to start going to places all over the world to do content. And then all the places you don't have to go to have updated dialogue and things to do. And the world's kind of your oyster right now. And you don't have Jordan to guide you. And it terrifies me. Yep, you're going to be <laughs> lost forever. Idgar. Actually, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on recording right now. I was talking with Jordan because he, he he heard that I wanted to get a gold chocobo. And he's like, oh, let's talk about that before you uh, sit down mm. and do it. And I apparently guessed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, he didn't tell me like he didn't like he only said, OK, you're on the right track. I, I dropped he didn't tell me the answer because I I yeah. encouraged you to look at Goblin Island and then you steal from every enemy. I It's annoying as fuck. I you do. steal from any enemy. I'm so bad. It's super annoying because Yuffie's your DPS and you keep stealing with her. And then um, every single <sighs> time I stole and got something really cool in the, in the beginning of the game, I'm like, oh shit, there's missable shit. And then I told you this cool <laughs> anecdote about my friend Wade and how his username on Milligar Online was Zeonut because mine was Almond and Sarge's was Acorn. And we had a clan themed after nuts because we made a bunch of immature <laughs> nutting jokes about Metal Online. And he d- he didn't have a username because online gaming was new, and this was the PS2 era. And we're like, uh, well, we're themed after nuts. He's a big Final Fantasy fan, mostly because of me. So I'm like, okay, your username is going to be Zeo Nut because Zeo Nut is what you use to make a gold chocobo, <laughs> yep. right? So you got that right. All you need is carob nuts, which you've already got because you steal it from those red yep. dinosaurs that are really hard. And then I need. A black chocobo, and the other thing that Jordan wouldn't tell me which one was right was it's either a blue chocobo or a. I was thinking maybe like a wonderful, and I, I guess I'll tell only you, I'll tell yellow you. chocobos can be. If that. you forget, it's okay because the game's not going to fucking tell you. It's trial and error, so you need to get a good and great chocobo from the Medil area, right? 
Any nut will do. Yep. Get the chocobos from Medil. Bench them all. Like, fill your stables. And then start breeding them with carob nuts with each other. You'll get green and blue. I, I don't really remember that part very well. That part might you might struggle with because my advice isn't going to work. It's, but once it's you just get, inbreeding until you find it. Yeah. Once you get a blue yeah. one and a green one, breed them together with a carob nut, you're going to get a black one. And then a black chocobo with a wonderful choco, regular chocobo, which is in the Icicle Inn area, right? With a Zeo nut. That's how you get gold. And along the journey, take them out, right? Like, don't just wait for the gold chocobo. Like, there's a lot of Materia Caves that you can get to with the Mountain Chocobo, with the River Chocobo, and with the Black Chocobo. Like, you don't have to wait for the gold one, or you could, and just get them all. But that's how you get all the Materia yeah. in those caves, and there's some really essential shit in there. Like, the one in the island in the corner that you saw that was, wasn't even on the map that you flew over, that's fucking Knights of the Round. Like, remember that thing Noctis did at the end of 15? It's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that summon. The gold chocobo takes a while. Don't wait for it. It's If you do, you're going to open a bunch of caves and, and, and shit that you're going to feel really lame for the time of the game you're getting it. Yeah, get it yeah, early. That, uh, one of the guys in my chat was telling me, he's like, yeah, you could do this right now, but if you did... That was me. I mean, this already... Oh, not all that challenging game is going to go from like middling to like incredibly easy. So I was like, ah, yeah, right. I might wait the, a the advice bit. I gave you was the other way to get a gold chocobo is to beat Ruby Weapon and then like talk to somebody and you get a free gold chocobo. But Ruby Weapon is the hardest super boss in the whole game, right? What are you going to do with all the materia in the materia caves if your path to achieving it is killing Ruby Weapon first? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right like why would you do it in that order that is silly <laughs> in final fantasy 7 is before the time of new game plus too, right. right so okay. in, in disc three so so spoiler disc three is just the final dungeon and all the side questing right like once yeah. you get to the end of disc two the only thing ahead of you is, is a little bit of stuff and then the final dungeon and the final dungeon is obviously the northern crater right surprise you can leave it after you go in, but like after a certain point of going in there, there is a point of no return. But as soon as you can go in there for the final battle, all the side quests are open in various areas of the world, and you should absolutely do them on stream. Like, um, I'm not expecting you to kill Emerald and Reweapon. That's kind of ridiculous. But like, yeah, I mean, Ultimate Weapon, though, you can fight him. Yeah, I should, I should really do as much post content as I can do. Just because, like, in Xenoblade and in 12 and in, fuck, I don't know, pretty much every other JRPG I've played, um, I usually just beat yeah. the game and then stop. Like, Esprit's even been trying to get me to go back to 2 just so I can beat um, all the super bosses in, in Xenoblade. Yeah. But, like, I want to, but it's really hard to justify doing it. And it's like, I really should do it before I'm done with the game. That way I don't have to, like, yeah, cause worry about it too once much. Once you beat 7, I'm not expecting you to go back, but... You're going to miss out if you don't fight Ultimate Weapon, if you don't do the Ancient Forest side quest, if you don't get Knights of the Round with the Gold Chocobo, if you don't beat the Chocobo Racing Circuit, if you don't, like, what's the other really cool one? Uh, Return to Midgar. There's a key at the Bone Village that you can dig up that lets you open that stupid fucking door if you walk into Midgar. Remember? Like, yep. when you left Midgar and you formed your first party on the world map, like, 
there was a door. And if you ever go on the world map and walk into Midgar, you're at that same scene. You can open that door with a key at the Bone Village. But you can't actually dig it up until this turn. Like, that's cool shit oh, ahead okay. of you, right? Like, you can return to Midgar. You can uh, do all this stuff in the ancient forest. There is, like, areas that you don't have to go to that you can go to. Like, remember that waterfall that you found? Yeah. You can go there. There's stuff there. There's really cool stuff there. Seven is really the first game that opened up like that to me. Like, where where it really felt like not just could that you could go back to all of these places, but there was stuff there waiting for you that wasn't just like a stray chest or a random one monster cave. Like, I remember myself when I was young going back to every single town in Disc 3 just to talk to everybody, make sure everything was covered because there was new shit to hear and new stuff to do in every single place. Because Disc 3, when the final dungeon's available, is like the furthest in the timeline forward where the state of every NPC is updated to its final moment, right? Yeah. And you can get the final bits of information from every single NPC because time is it's not like a, a triple a like modern game where time literally has advancement right it's like it's frozen in time so when the final dungeon is available it's like the, the final day and everyone says the last thing they're ever going to say like you can never get them to do anything new and there are side quests that are open and there's some really cool ones that uh you could totally miss if you don't look around so like you should totally do that before you beat it because you're not going to want to go back Wow, Dylan, you really went on like a whole Majora's Mask kick there at the end, like how everyone's I know. stuck in the last day. and Yeah. Oh, man, that was existential. I know. There's no actual time limit, though a meteor is crashing into the planet. <laughs> oh, well, that, that, that has a lot more in common with Majora's Mask than I thought. Yeah. I mean, did, you, did you ever wonder why the logo is a meteor? Like, no. The, the logos in the Final Fantasy I've, icon I've seen that. is... I've seen the really specific. Let's be clear. Both games are about a guy who wants to destroy the world because like his parents slash friends weren't nice to him. Well, he's not that far. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's far enough to put it. Together, I was, but he, he doesn't I, know was, all the details. That was really vague. <laughs> fair. Fuck. Fair. Getting into Majora's Mask theories, though. Holy fuck. Like how like the mask itself is supposed to be like. One of the the shards of Nemesis or some shit, and it's just like, holy fuck! The community for Zelda has gone into conspiracy theory territory. Funny enough, for a throwback. Nah, Majora's Majora's Mask is so great because it doesn't have to be connected with the rest of the the Zelda lore. It's like a hmm. Rick yeah, and Morty exactly. alternate universe. So like, I I didn't play Majora's Mask, and I I didn't finish um, Ocarina of Time. Because I had other Zelda games to play, like Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver. That really is a great <laughs> Zelda game. It is my favorite yeah, Zelda is. game of all of them, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I should go through the whole series. I only played, I think, two. And make sure, make sure when you do it, you start with Blood Omen, because Blood Omen actually holds up. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard, though. But yeah, like, no, I actually, I never finished a Zelda game. Like, like Travis forced me to play Ocarina of Time, but I didn't finish it, because I only played it at his house. And then, um... I, I never owned a Nintendo. The only Nintendo console, whatever I owned, was a Game Boy Advance SP, which I only used to play Pokemon and that one Dragon Ball Z game. And then uh, I had a Virtual Boy, which that doesn't count. And then I have a Switch now. And I bought Breath of the Wild, but I didn't like it, which is funny because I fucking love Genshin Impact, but didn't care for Breath of the Wild. 
didn't finish it. I played the tutorial, put it down, gave it to a friend. Never saw it again. Yeah, to be fair, the tutorial on Breath of the Wild is really bad. I know. Like, we talked uh, about it before. I, for, <laughs> yeah. It's bad. I, I love that game so much, but the first three hours was probably one of the like hardest bits for me. I feel like that's kind of Zelda in a nutshell, though. Almost every Zelda game I played in, like, in my marathon of the whole series, I hated the first like couple hours of each game. I just did not like it. But once the game really kicked in, it was like, oh, this is actually a lot more fun than I thought. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of, like, I have no nostalgia for Nintendo. So, like, yeah, I bought the Switch because it looked cool. And I was interested in some of the exclusives that weren't Nintendo made. And, like, like I tried Super Mario Odyssey. I tried Breath of the Wild. Didn't like either of them. I've got Super Mario All-Stars, which gives me Super Mario 64, Sunshine, and the other one, which I also didn't play. It's meh. Like, I like platformers as a as a game style, but like when I grew up, like I played a lot of Crash Bandicoot. I played the Gex series, which was oh, like a, dude, Gex, oof. yeah, loved it. <laughs> but like, all three. Let's be fair here, though. <laughs> Gex and Crash Bandicoot have way more character than Mario ever did. Yeah, because you needed it to compete. Like, like Nintendo has some great games, but I just I'm, I'm with you there. I don't understand how Mario kind of became like Nintendo's like poster boy when there's honestly a lot of better platforms out there yeah. at least because if he appeals better, to kids gameplay wise more character. i guess that's also yeah true, I suppose. like yeah. walking around at, in a mario 3d game feels like i'm driving a boat whereas like crash bandicoot and and the two uh 3d gex games it was like it was very precise so like the platforming was more interesting to me the, the mario platforming it's not hard but it's like the hard stuff is like really hard and it's only hard because the controls suck. Okay, okay, okay. So I got some beef with uh, with Breath of the Wild. The fall. This, this is a safe space to hate on Zelda because I don't like Zelda. So Breath of the Wild <laughs> is Dead Rising. Can you explain? You know, I, I he gets it. I he get understands. Okay, like so, so yeah, dumb it down for me. What are the key mechanics of Dead Rising? Right, you have you have lots of insignificant enemies in between really big boss fights you have uh one major map that you're constantly traversing back and forth more than you're uh going through like a series of dungeons you're using consumable resources that you can mix together along with weapons that get damaged over time and that you constantly have to replace and there's even a stupid camera mini game okay okay and at night it's the same as the fucking uh, Blood Moon, where all the monsters get back up and go berserk and get super aggressive. It's the same game. I Except Dead Rising is better. Right. I have another example, not related to Zelda. So bear with me for a second here. In, in terms of things that are other things repackaged, bear with me. Not the comics, only the movies. MCU, Age of Ultron. You've seen it, right? Right, right. Both of you have seen it. The second Avengers movie. I have not. You've had... Oh, victim has not. Robbie, you've seen it, right? I've only seen Civil War, and I hated it. That's fair. Wait, I'm sorry. What was that? I think I cut <laughs> out there for a second. You cut out. Uh, So, Robbie, have you seen the, the second Avengers movie? Age of Ultron. Yes, I have seen Age of Ultron. Yeah. And I know you probably have much deeper knowledge, comic book-wise, about why the MCU is probably bullshit. But bear with me for a second. Okay. Right? Victim hasn't seen it, but so Age of Ultron, the movie, the MCU movie, is about this robot 
Ultron. He was created by Tony Stark. He consumes Jarvis and under he accesses the internet and decides humanity's evil. He needs to destroy it. It's he basically does so. that scene from the fifth element where she watches the TV. Mm-hmm. He decides humanity's evil. But bear with me for a second. Oh, bear bear with me you. for a second. So Ultron's evil, and he conspires against both his creator, Tony Stark, and humanity. He thinks that he needs to rule over the planet, right? He's like, I'm the only one fit for this, right? This is clearly my higher purpose. And his ultimate plan is to raise that fictional uh, Slavic Eastern country that doesn't exist into the sky, which for some reason has lots of, vi- was it vibranium or, or adamant, uh, whatever, right? He he, he, he brought a bunch of vibranium. He stole vibranium from Wakanda and brought it there to power his stupid anti-gravity machine or whatever. Right. He also built himself a new body made of that stuff, which was way better than all of his previous bodies. And he's got a bunch of like duplicates of himself that he can control. Right. He lifts this city with all the vibranium uh, out of the ground and goes way up high in the sky to throw it back at the Earth. To cause massive devastation. And I'm telling you, this is just the plot of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And Ultron is Sephiroth. Yeah. Tony Stark is Hojo. And it's just... (laughs) It's just fucking Final Fantasy VII. (laughs) Age of Ultron is a ripoff. I can't dispute anything you said. I Yeah. it All the way down to the specifics. It's like Ultron is just Sephiroth. Quicksilver is Eris. Quicksilver is Eris. Tony Stark is Hojo. Fucking, yeah, like, some things aren't one-to-one. That's fine. But it's still a dude who was created by a man who decided he was more than he really was and creates a new body for himself and decides to hurl a giant meteor at the planet. I mean, the similarities are there. Well, the first half of it is just a Lucifer story, but it's that second half where he's throwing a meteor at the planet where it really He goes full Sephiroth. Never go full Sephiroth. Never go full Sephiroth. Like, Ultron is Sephiroth, and the MCU is a sham, and, um, I- Okay, okay, do you wanna- do you, do you guys wanna hear about Ultron's origins in the comics? I- I know them, but let's hear it anyway. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Ant-Man, but not the Ant-Man from the movies, the old Ant-Man from the old- the, that's referenced in the movies, but isn't the current Ant-Man. That Ant-Man went crazy, right? Because not enough people paid attention to him, and then he was a scientist, and he wanted to be a better scientist, but he wasn't. And his wife wanted to be a superhero, but he didn't really like being a superhero because he was bad at it. However, he still wanted his wife to like him, so he was like, you know what? I'm going to build a robot to fight the Avengers that only I can defeat because I'm going to put a little syndrome button on it that lets me shut it off. So he builds this robot, and the robot attacks, and he changes his costume, and he starts going by Yellow Jacket instead of Giant Man instead of Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. But he fights this robot, he presses the button, and the robot's like, I don't like it when you press that button. I am not going to be your robot anymore. And then it goes on this rampage, and the Avengers find out that he uh, built this robot, this Ultron robot. And so he shuts the Ultron robot off, he bitch slaps his wife. Which was like a big deal in the comics at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get a divorce. And then Ultron turns himself back on. And because daddy hit mommy and uh, they don't they don't love each other anymore. I think the robot develops an Oedipus complex and tries to marry his mother. And then he starts time traveling, which is where we got to the age of Ultron. Where Ultron pulls mm-hmm. a uh, Terminator and tries to go back in time and create a 
future where he rules the universe. So you're saying the original Ultron storyline is the Final Fantasy VII remake? Oh my yes, and the God. original <laughs> Age of Ultron is Terminator. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> which one is a copy of which? I don't know if we're ever going to find out. <laughs> I don't know. Wikipedia's got dates. <laughs> And I mean, Final Fantasy VII is just a Lucifer story. Like, you just replace a flood with a meteor. Like, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it all comes back to Evangelion, man. You know, I actually <laughs> haven't watched Evangelion. I know I should. But, like, I don't really have a good means to watch oh, it. Yeah, well, sure. It's on Netflix, but the subs are wrong. Let's not, then... let's not go too strong by saying anyone should watch Evangelion, okay? It... Fair. Yeah, I feel like you got to be in the right mood. That, that's not that's not something you you go into just because you should watch. It's it. just it's culturally significant, and I like Mecca, and that's I true. haven't watched it, and I feel like I'm missing something. You know, like I feel like it's something I would like, but like uh, I don't know. And like I'm open to like the weird like fantasy sci-fi Mecca. Like I I actually kind of oh, like yeah, it gets real weird the, the weird shit that that pops up in Gundam. I mean, Gundam is advertised as like a more realistic robot. Right. Like, that's what made it so popular. And when it came out and the only thing that was robot was like the, the giant robots that were like cartoonish. Right. And then it yeah. still went to cartoonish fantasy heights with the whole new type thing. Right. But like, I like that, too. So I think Evangelion, I would I probably like it as well, because I know it gets fucking weird. But like, I haven't seen it yet. And everyone on the Internet says, don't watch the Netflix version. The subtitles are wrong. And it's like, how the fuck I, am I supposed I to watch it then? I think they've fixed them since. <laughs> I mean, I would look it up before I would do it, but I think that they have since fixed them. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think that they... I think it was because they, they hired another company to do it because they couldn't get the rights to the original, like, subs or some shit. And if, if the listeners at home are wondering, why the fuck are, doesn't Dylan just pirate it? It's like, well, I watch I watch anime on my TV in my living room, and there's nothing hooked up to my TV, right? Uh, it's a smart TV. Yeah, I have... Of many a streaming service, but uh, I don't want to drag my computer out there and like load up a bunch of pirated shit. I, I'm not against pirating, but Dylan, I thought you didn't pirate because it's wrong. It's just not convenient. Like it should. I'm only. It's only. I'm only not doing it because it's not convenient. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to every service. This is why popcorn time was like 86 from the internet because it made piracy really convenient. <laughs> <sighs> The only thing you need to know about Evangelion is, like, the, the the robot fights and stuff are awesome. It's most of the other stuff that tends to put people off. And also, like, the, God, how many endings does it have now? The first ending is not good. Uh, there's at least, what, two, three movies that have their own endings so there or was, something like that? Aren't they making a new one? They're, they're current, they, I think the third new movie is finished, but hasn't been released yet. Yeah, something that's like wild that. to me. Like they're still making endings for this ambiguous, ridiculous well, the, show. Because the original show ending was was panned. It was not great. And then I think I think they ran out of money or time. To be honest, the only real scenes from Evangelion that I've seen is that one they made fun of, where the the like the little boy that is like I think the main character he like fucking cracks and starts screaming, right? And it's like here is it in English. Here's it in uh, Japanese. Here's it in French. And then in Italian, it's like Mario going, Wah! instead of like <laughs> actually screaming. And I was like, that's the only scene I've fucking seen. And I, I laughed. 
obviously he's losing his shit, right? But like, I don't know the context. <laughs> oh, well, all I know is, is oh. that 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 anime is fucking weird. Is all I know. Okay, so the, the context <laughs> is that the kid is Shinji Akari, and his dad is the best dad in the world. He's like, "Hey, son, you want to live with this hot chick who gets drunk all the time and fly a giant robot?" And he's like, "Boy, howdy, dad, I sure do." Who wouldn't? Uh, and then. Uh, it gets it gets pretty dark pretty quick uh, with robots that are like like maybe dead people or something and and the the monsters that they're fighting are called angels and it's uh there's there's a lot of there's a lot more masturbation in that show than I thought there was going to be going into it yeah like literally there's a lot yes. of it and it's weird huh. yes there is literally masturbation in neon Gen- genesis evangelion and i'm not just talking about the writing but like it, it's like yeah, literally no, like it, scenes it, where they're they're doing that like uh i i don't think it's graphic it's more okay. implied you don't see any dicks right. or anything but it's like that movie jarhead which depicted life in the iraq war and like there was a bunch of emphasis on oh, i'm jerking off in the bathroom stall because it's the only privacy i fucking get yeah and they don't have internet they just have pictures yeah, except right? instead of a instead of a bathroom stall it's in a girl's hospital room with the girl in it yeah, with the girl laying unconscious. That's in it. real fucking weird. Pretty sure she's in a coma. I don't. I, the short-haired one or the long-haired one? I forget. Off the I think head, it's but. the. I think it's the the, the sickly one, the the pale-haired girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because because here's the thing, right? You have you have your your fiery redhead waifu. You have your uh, pale-haired sickly waifu, and then you have your like older woman who is drunk all the time and lives in your house. Yeah, and they're they're all really like uncomfortable especially with shinji being such a like panty waist that reminds me though like so i was telling victim uh, a few episodes back that i had uh i had done the unthinkable and subscribed to funimation it's only five dollars a month i curated a list of anime i wanted to watch with destiny in our free time uh after we had finished the Persona 5 anime which is the reason i subscribed i wanted to watch it in english because i played the game in english and well the anime for the fourth game, if you played it in English, you should watch it in English or you're not going to like it. Same was true for five, but it wasn't as good of an anime to be expected. Yeah, I heard the five anime was really bad. Yeah, I only liked the five anime because I had just finished playing five, like the updated version, Royal. Like I had just finished it and then watched it in English and it was okay. The Persona 4 anime, you could watch it without playing the game and understand what happens. In the five anime, that is not the case. So, you know, minus points for that. So I, I curated a list of anime that I wanted to watch with Destiny. Like, I wanted to watch Kill a Kill. I watched it in Japanese already, myself, alone. And I thought Destiny would really like it. So I was like, yeah, let's watch that in English. That way it'll be new for me. And then uh, another thing on my list was uh, Tenchi Muyo. Because that shit was on Toonami back when I was young. And it was like a really old harem anime. It might have been the first. I don't fucking know. I think Ranma was first, but yeah, it's like one yeah, of the first. Yeah. One of the first. Ranma's older, but yeah, like one of the first. And I remember watching it on Toonami when I was like a, a young adolescent. And I remember I'd never seen anything like it before. And I was like, <laughs> it was weirdly endearing, but it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I'm like, I kind of want to rewatch it. It's probably really cringy and bad, but I'm going to watch it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. Go. <laughs> You, I think people should go back and watch the things they watched when they were kids. It gives you like perspective on the kinds mm-hmm. of yeah, on like the kind of person you were when you initially watched it, and the kinds of things that you notice as an adult that you wouldn't notice as a kid. Right, it's true for video games too. Like that's the whole reason why I'm such a big fan of Final Fantasy VIII. 
I liked it when I was a kid because it looked cool and it was fun. But like, I didn't fucking get it until I replayed it as an adult. Because the, the story is not fucking simple. I get it yeah. now, right? But only because I replayed it, right? Same is true for Legend of Dragoon, which I still want victim to play on stream. Fucking play Legend of Dragoon. I swear. It's going to be great. You'll love it. <laughs> I got a whole list of fucking PS1 era games. I know. And Legend of Dragoon is like my favorite. But like... What? That? Legends of Lugia? Threads of Fate? Le- Legend of Lugia is good, but you don't... You can wait. Like, it's not that good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Xenogears. That was the only yes. one. Xenogears is good, especially because it created Xenosaga and Xenoblade. But like, that game wasn't finished. It doesn't have a good ending. Because yeah. it doesn't have an ending. Like, <laughs> oh, that's pretty shit. <laughs> like, you'll love it, but then you'll be mad when you're done. Yeah, you'll love it right up until the yeah, I'm a real ending centric person, too. Yeah, I'm just telling you, you're going to be disappointed. Like, play Legend of Dragoon. Legend of Dragoon not only is, like, has an ending, it doesn't have any extra material. Everything you need to know to understand the lore of the world, the characters, the backstory, all the extra bits that you don't need to know, like, you can get it in one package deal, the game. Right. You tell me I don't need to play Dirge of Cerberus with Legend Exactly. <laughs> Jordan had a lot to say last episode about Dirge of Cerberus. Uh, Robbie, I don't know if you listened to the whole episode or just the highlights, but whew, he had a lot to say. Oh, <laughs> see, I'm even more disappointed that Jordan's not here. I'm so sad. I, audience, I to be clear, I invited them both, but Jordan had to work. Well, the thing, the thing is, is that Jordan is like the other half to my yin and yang thing. Like I, mm-hmm. I need him for my for my tabletop talk. So, uh, speaking of yin and yang for tabletop, I know we've been going for a while, and after I edit all the silence and all of my drunken stupor, because I've almost finished this four loco, I'm sure it won't be at two hours at this point. But I had a couple more questions for you about tabletop. Okay. So it's it's difficult for me to explain to people because like you have so many like memorable characters like Ian Whitholm that you explained earlier. That I, I tell people about when they ask about previous games that I've been in that were memorable. I, I just kind of want to hear you talk about some of your more memorable characters. Like, um, like we already heard about Ian Whitholm, but like, what about, ah, uh, what was his name? Start with an M. Giant Sword. Bard. Oh, the Margrave. The Margrave. Or Ogard. Like, those two characters were really fucking awesome. Can you tell me about it? So, first of all, I always try, when, when I make a character... I, it's it's really cliche, but I always try to pick like like a mechanical gimmick and a social gimmick and stick them together. Mm-hmm. Like I think that a char- that a character should do something interesting, but they should also like be interesting in conversation. Even if it's something stupid, you can always like staple other things onto it later. Uh, so like, what else goes through your head when you're creating a, a really memorable character? Because you've made so many good ones. Like, well, that's and I can't tell you which ones are going to be memorable when I make them. Like you. You throw mm-hmm. you throw your laundry to the wall and you wear what doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. But oh, like Ogard, I knew Ogard was going to do well once I started playing. Uh, Ogard was created as the most generic heroic archetype I could think of. Like mm-hmm. he was big and strong, and he wore armor, and he had a sword and a shield, and that was again. That game was Mike's game. And it was a Mutants and Masterminds game that was supposed to run like a D&D game. I don't know why all of our stories are Mutants and Masterminds today, but... I know. Uh, we, it's okay. We were supposed to make characters that were, like, fantasy archetype characters. So I just made a big dumb guy with a sword. 
And I think the Thor movie had just come out. The first one? The first one. Okay. And so I was I was really a fan of the Nordic bellowing braggart archetype, I guess. And so when I made the character, I made him as somebody that was going to go around, get into fights, and then brag about the things he'd just done to the next person he that he ran into. Like that was that was as far as I'd thought ahead. Yeah, like if I if I recall, like you would have like a real braggart introduction every time someone like addressed the party. Like if you had just come out of like a cave of goblins, you'd be like, "Hi, I'm Ogard Osgard of Asgard Isgard, Doorbreaker, Goblin Smasher, Cultist Stomper." Yes, like yeah, it was it was I, I tried, and it changed every time. Yeah, because it was it was it was always like the last couple of things that I could remember doing. So I would so the first that character I I I, I came up with him and he was just a, a generic like fighter guy and my introduction in the game was getting summoned from another dimension and waking up standing over the corpse of a virgin. So you were somebody's five star gotcha pull. Yes. <laughs> well and here was the worst thing mike didn't tell me about this beforehand so like he's like oh yeah you, you're surrounded by cultists and there's like a a virgin woman on the ground who's been bled out i'm just like so i start stabbing the cultists that's that is the only reasonable <laughs> conclusion to be had yes <laughs> and mike uh, you were really good at it oh, right? oh ogard was really good at stabbing stuff it was about the only thing he was good at <laughs> and so I killed all these cultists and the party arrived like a little bit too late. I think they were supposed to fight, help me fight the cultists, uh, but they didn't. There were no more cultists when they arrived and they came inside <laughs> and I was Ogard, uh, Virgin Crusher, Cultist Slayer, Doorbasher. Why, why were you Virgin Crusher? Well, what happened to the girl? Uh, so Ogard was wearing a full set of plate mail and he woke up in this summoning circle on top of this virgin corpse. Oh. So he was like ankle deep in in gore. Oh, <laughs> okay. It was all right because Ogard came from Asgard, where when people die, they get back up the next day. So to him, death wasn't a very serious consequence, and for some reason, no one ever really tried hard to dissuade him of that idea. He would say <laughs> that pe when people died, they came back to life. And I would push it just a little bit. I'd say, no, 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 people definitely come back to life when they die. And then the DM or the other player would just give up on trying to convince me. I remember um, I included Ogard, I think, in my game that I ran. But they were actually in Isgard, the, the realm where he was from. And they did come back the other day. And they were in the middle of like a really big battle. It didn't last very long and they got trounced by the the enemy but it was awesome <laughs> oh yeah and i think and i think that's that ogard being from a place where there are no consequences to death is really what made him a memorable character more than to put it another way deciding that he came from a place with such an interesting condition is what helped me form his character mm -hmm. he reminded me a lot of uh glorion from journey quest the guy that killed the river right yes and God, yes, I, love I that met guy. that guy in person at, at PAX. It was really awesome. Like, uh, 
I, I bought a copy of Darkness Rising, which is another movie that they made. I don't remember if I got him to sign it or not, but the actor that played the cleric, uh, I forget his name. I forget the character's name and I forget the person's name, but like, I remember I, I took pictures with him at PAX. It was fucking awesome. Oh, no, not PAX. It was Comic-Con. But like, I took pictures with him. Uh, I bought his movies at the, for the zombie Orpheus entertainment booth and it was awesome. Like, he was so thrilled. Like, he, his face like lit up that I knew him from a thing that he was in. And I was like, Oh my God, you're the cleric from that show. Like, and he was like, Oh my God, you, you know, and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It's gotta be super cool to be recognized. They, they deserve way more recognition than they got. Yeah. That, that, they're both series they put up on YouTube were like genuinely really entertaining and fun. Yeah. Like just as good as other web series uh, that they came before them, right? So, like listeners. But it's just that's not popular anymore, it, right? So if you made it this far into the episode and you haven't watched Journey Quest, go look it up on YouTube. It's really fucking good. Even yeah, if you only it. watch the first season, like it's really that good. Like it's so fucking funny. Worth your time. The fucking the demons when it tells a lie and when it tells the truth. <laughs> he just he stabs one. one and them. the one that lives is the one that tells lies. And he, he's too dumb to realize and he's just taking him at face value. Yep, it's so <sighs> good. I love it. The thing the thing that sells Journey Quest for me is that if you've ever played in a D game with people that you don't know very well, you've met those people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, I have a story. It's it's kind of not my story because let's hear it. I wasn't the one that it directly happened to, but it was it was in that game with Ogard. Uh, Orin was in that game, and Orin made a character who was basically the Dead Ringer spy. Uh, when he took damage, he made like a dead clone of himself and turned invisible. And mm -hmm. when and then he would go up behind people and sneak attack them. And he could sneak attack with knockback, which would just fling them hundreds of feet away. And we had what were we, what were we even doing? We were investigating a uh, like a drug dealer or something in town. It was some really Ogard wasn't good at investigating things. Um, he he waited until someone told him to kick down the door and kill all the cultists or drug dealers or monsters behind the door. So I was just kind of moving around doing flavor speak. And we had another player who had just sat down to join us, and Mike had let him join because Mike was excited to have more players. This guy was Legolas. Like, that was it. That was his character concept, was he was Legolas. He was an elf, he was an archer, he had, like, the, the two swords that Legolas had in the Lord of the Rings movies. They were more like daggers, but I get it. Yeah, yeah they were, yeah. In the movie? I didn't read the book. <laughs> anyway, this guy's Legolas, and I don't know actually what set him off i just know that we were going down into this basement and i went first because i was the big armored tank guy and Orin came behind me and legolas was following up the rear and legolas for apparently no reason is just like oh i shanked the guy in front of me like i backstabbed my party member for no reason what that's not very legolas wait a minute for what purpose <laughs> i don't know he so he stabs Orin, remembering that Orin has this thing where when he gets hurt, he turns invisible. So Orin's was it metagaming? Like, did he want Orin to turn invisible, or did no, 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 no? <laughs> because because Mike describes like, okay, so this corpse falls to the ground, Orin, it's your turn, and Orin's like, okay, I turn around and I attack him and I throw him into space, like. <laughs> <laughs> so 
what happens? So I'm I'm walking down these stairs and I turn around and there's just like two holes in the ceiling where he's been thrown up through uh the staircase and then the higher ceiling of the inn. And this guy stands up and starts having a temper tantrum like, "Oh, it's so not fair that you murdered my character. How is that fair?" It's like, "Why did but you attacked a party member for literally no reason." And you know Orin. It takes a lot mm. to push Orin over the edge. Orin's not the kind of person who's going to murder you for, you know, being annoying or like out of line. Yeah, it was you. You engaged in combat with another character, and they killed you. Why are you upset? Would you be upset if you killed him? So that is what it it reminds me of: is those those players who I think they they only see it as a combat simulator. Okay. But it's so funny to watch play out in real time. Like, like yeah. the, the, put it in a, a different way. You know when you're playing like a, like a computer game and mm-hmm. you just save and stab one of the NPCs just to see what happens? Yeah. That's Oblivion in yeah, a nutshell. Yeah, it's like yeah. he was Got trying it. to do that. <laughs> That's just wild. Though it does remind me of... <laughs> but he forgot to quick save. It reminds me a little bit of Victim's first D&D experience. Or one of his first. Maybe not the first. Which so one? I remember um, you and V-Dog were having your first, one of your first games ever. It was like a trial run of a campaign that could have been. And I remember... The Mutants of Mastermind one? No. Oh, I, I think it was Mastermind. It was probably yeah, I was gonna say. Pathfinder. I remember you went into a cave. There was like a dragon. You guys were getting ready to like look at your abilities and start using them. And then Mike swoops in and is like, oh... There's, like, nets above the dragon full of barrels and stuff. I cut the nets, and they fall on the dragon. And you both have this moment where you're like, what the fuck? You can do that? Like, you didn't realize that you you had more options than use the ability on the character sheet on the creature. Yeah, see... It was a big aha I guess a little bit of a tangent. But uh, my first introduction to D&D, like, not, like, playing it, but, like, introduction to it even existing, was my dad talking about fucking uh, Dragonlance. From like second edition or some shit. And I thought Dragonlance was a book series. Yeah, but there was also a campaign okay. setting for it. Oh man. Yeah. That's <laughs> go ahead. But so I um you know, I get all that and then I, I find out I have some cousins that play it pretty religiously. Like their their dad plays it. So I start talking to them about it. And we tried to do like a little pop up session, but no one was taking it seriously. It was like so I didn't get like any like knowledge whatsoever from it. Like and then years later is when um, I think it was either Jordan who ran the Kobolds Ate My Babies one. And that was like the first time I really sat down. It was your first like online D&D yeah. experience. Which Kobolds Ate My Babies is a very simplified system that is not good for your first experience. But it's kind of good for a party game. Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. But you're right. Yeah. It, it, so basically everything I had up to that point, though, was very strict, very like stoic. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're capable of. And go. And it's like, and you know, and I pretty much only played video games at that point, too. I didn't read a whole lot. Um, so the moment, like, I was like, oh, wait. I, 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 I can do things that aren't on my character sheet? I was like, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> this changes a lot. The world is your oyster. It's like you're stuck in a VR world or like a literal isekai situation. Yeah, and it's like you, line, yeah. you are yourself and you can go do shit. Like it's your character sheet tells you what you're good at. You're really good. The at one it. thing I need to really figure out right now, like the the one thing that I've never been able to like fully get a grasp of, 
is when I write out very specific guidelines for how I want to play my characters, so like flaws and whatever, right? Is to just fucking remember to stick to them. I have this weird problem where I end up dragging my character in a way that I never intended. I mean, that's fine for certain things, but like, I don't know, when I paint my character one way and present them in that same light, and then like two sessions down the road, I'm doing something entirely different. Just feels jarring to me, and I'm sure to other players as well sometimes. That reminds me of um, the game that I was in with you. One of the first games I played with you was the one where I played. It was it was Jordan's game. I was playing that that cleric of chaos guy who who worships Zom. I I won't. I'll spare you the details because I actually clipped it as a highlight for our highlights channel Odyssey.com, where I was playing as a guy named Jalen Salamander, and I remember I intentionally made my character not party leader material using flaws. So that you wouldn't just look to me for the answer. That's why I did it. I didn't want to be the leader. I wanted you or V-Dog or somebody to step up to grow, to, to learn tabletop better. It was the, I think it was a really good idea at the time. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. You have to force players to make decisions because especially new players or, or more shy players will always default to the, letting the loudest person lead. Right. So I played an insane I think, person. Funny enough, I ended up being the leader, but it, it wasn't until like way later when you you die, you and Mike died. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. Well, you took leadership before I died, but it was after Mike died because you were Mike's bodyguard. But Mike wasn't really a leader; he was more of a rich guy with plan, right? Yeah. But like the actual like tactical leadership really fell to you pretty early. I felt, and that was probably really good. Like uh, me and Mike made very reasonable characters to allow you to grow as a player. And that's what I really liked about that session the most. Like, if, and if you read, or sorry, not read, if you listen to the highlight that I clipped of episode 7 of the Melomancy podcast, I go into explicit detail about why that character was fucking awesome. Wasn't a party leader, on purpose. And it was a really good move. But it was fun as fuck. Yeah, fuck the whale mother. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that, that whole scenario, 10 out of 10. I would absolutely do it again. Uh, but it wouldn't be as good the second time because some things are only meant to happen once. And I'm fine with that. That's why you got to run new games. Yeah. I know. And I just haven't had time for it. But that's mostly because of the kids. <laughs> you just got to get them in on it. I know. I'm waiting for them to get just a little bit older so they're a little bit more independent. The The younger of the two, he uh, can't talk yet. <laughs> but he can walk now. <laughs> you can just play a mute character. No big deal. <laughs> You're familiar. Yeah, really. I know. That was a good out to, to hit the stop button and stop the recording, but I don't want to stop just yet because I'm going to cut so much silence that it's okay. We have a little bit more time. So I wanted to ask another question, but I've had so much fucking alcohol, I can't think of it. Rip. Fucking hell. This was a mistake. I shouldn't have drank so much. <laughs> well, you didn't think it was going to be I'm so, so sorry, Robbie. I finally brought you on. Drank too much to ask you like appropriate questions. Uh, you you asked me about my uh, you asked me about memorable characters. Oh, I remember. So in the most complete yet of summary method that you can, why don't you talk about that game that 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 uh we played together where you were the DM and it took more than a real life year to to meet its final milestone? Do you remember that game? The one with the, the unicorns and the oh, yeah, yeah. reptile the 34th. Oh, yeah. The Morninglands. That was one of my most memorable games. Not because I did, like, extremely heroic things. I mean, there were some highlights. Don't get me wrong. But, like, we played that game for, like, several, like, more than one year 
in real life, which was wild. It was my longest running game I'd ever participated in. Why don't you give us uh, an overview of that story to, to close us out? So uh, that that was actually one of my longest running games, too. And that game was a... First of all, that game was huge. That game had seven players in it. Six or seven players. Yeah. Uh, it started off as just a trying to find something to do to get everybody in the same place on a regular basis. That game had three bar three three barbarians yes it started well they changed because people died and re-rolled but like at the beginning we had um so we had mike was a barbarian jordan was a barbarian named volrath he he survived and travis was a barbarian he also survived he was um captain a cat folk captain musipuff the drunkard cat barbarian pirate that was afraid of water that character was awesome <laughs> and mike was the barbarian uh, he yeah, he turned into a bear. He was a bear, and Jordan threw giant swords at people mm -hmm. as a barbarian. Anyone familiar with Jordan's games knows Volrath because Volrath appears as an NPC in almost every one of them. It's his favorite character, yeah, by far. In fact, we just made him an NPC in our space game that Mike's running. Space nice. he's Volrath. A, he's a space barbarian <laughs> <laughs> throwing space swords at people. Amazing. Some people don't change. Go ahead. Oh yeah, Go I just on. imagined him with like a with like a Warhammer 40k chainsword and throwing that at somebody. <laughs> ah, we haven't gotten to see him yet, but he, he's on our like crew list. That's pretty great. So though, so there were three barbarians. There was uh, Dylan as a cavalier, a reptile. Mm -hmm. Some number. The 34th. Yeah, there you go. I was a Cavalier of the Blue Rose, which was one of the built-in uh, orders you can pick on the SRD. That was all about anti-slavery. Yep. He, for some reason, he was specifically against slaves. We had, and then uh, I had a I had a subclass that was about I think it was called Steel Falcons, where it was like a some sort of military organization. So I had like weird military contacts everywhere. I guess. Yeah, you had you had you had it wasn't just contacts. It's that I think you had special privileges when you went to related areas. We had a cleric. Who, Orin was, it was a, Destiny, yeah. I think, oh yeah, Destiny was a, she a cleric? She a druid. She was a healer. She was a healer and a special subclass. I think it was called like Valer, uh, something with a V, Chosen. And it had to deal with unicorns. She had to befriend a unicorn, Yeah, I guess. And it was weird. But it was like this like ridiculously good at healing healer. And Christy was there as a uh, as a sorceress who caught, who kept shooting her own people with lightning bolts. That's just what she would do in any game. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Jordan and Mike bring that up a lot. <laughs> They're a little salty See, about lightning it. Bolt well, and, and the thing you need to understand yeah. is that, like, if you don't play D&D, you might not recognize that getting shot with a lightning bolt is a big deal. Uh, a lightning bolt in D&D can kill people at the level that you gain access to it so it wasn't it wasn't like catching a stray magic missile where you take a little bit of damage and it's friendly fire i think mike got knocked out by a lightning bolt once and almost died oh, he died or did he die oh he no no he only got knocked out uh but later she hit him with a fireball in like a sewer <laughs> hallway setting where he was in front of her and she said duck and then did it like as a free action, asked him to duck, but then that—that's not how combat works. And she uh, 
annihilated him. Yeah. So <laughs> in context, that's such an asshole. Mate. <laughs> she didn't know any better, and it Bro, happened anyway. What the fuck? Well, we told we it did tell her that talking was a reaction. <laughs> we did. So, so the, the premise <laughs> of this game was that uh, all of the characters had been gathered together in like a dream state by a black unicorn and he told them that if they uh, performed a series of tasks they would free unicorns which were mostly extinct or maybe wholly extinct from this extra dimensional place called the morning lands m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g and that in return each of them would be granted a wish so of course they were all on board they all wanted a wish so mm -hmm. the unicorn told them that in order to facilitate and fuel this magical uh, ritual, they would need powerful artifacts, and he gave them some clues on where to find artifacts. So the first one they went to go find was a... I don't, I don't know if you guys knew it was a shield going in, but it was, mm -hmm. a, it was an artifact from... Wait a minute. It was like a slave camp, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the desert. So, so that, but I, but you didn't, you didn't get the artifact there. You went to the slave camp to find out about it. I feel like mm. my timeline's a little broken. It was a long game. Yeah. So, it's okay. so anyway, sorry, that's right. So they went, they went to the desert, and they came... we got cursed, didn't we? Like we got the blood curse with the water. Yes. So you, they were they were traversing across the desert, and they came ac and you guys came across that little tiny temple in the middle of the desert. Mm -hmm. There was like a big stone tablet that was set into the ground, and I don't remember who who messed with it first. I think it was Travis, I, I, the Captain Music Puff, the the cat folk. So he he messed with it, and then we all got cursed. And any water that we try to drink turns into blood, and we can't drink that because it's gross. Yep, it is so vile and disgusting. And so the 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 spirit in the stone was I was a ancient god of fertility yeah that's right and it it said okay well i'll take away this curse if you take me somewhere where i can be a god of fertility again because it has no worshipers because it's a forgotten deity. yeah it's a forgotten right? deity out in the middle of the desert so because it had no worshipers and no uh attention it couldn't do anything so the it i think it actually required that one of you like say that you were going to be one of its worshipers and pack up the stone tablet that was its uh, point of worship. It was me. And you carried it around forever. It was me. I carried it around until I found a reason to leave it behind and I found worshippers for it. Yeah, and that was in the it was like forest a, with yeah. the giant animals, wasn't it? I think so, which was like over a year in real life later. Yeah, they, they kept carrying it around and every couple of weeks, Dylan would be messing around in his bag and the, the, the forgotten god would speak up. So, have you uh found any followers for me yet? Oh no, no, no we're we're still working on it. We're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> just just checking in. <laughs> uh huh. Don't curse us, please. So Dylan, uh, as as we mentioned, his character was anti-slavery. So in the desert, they encountered uh a bunch of slavers and a slave camp, and the for for what like i think i think they decided that the the camp was too big to assault head on but not too big to sneak into and cause a ruckus and then light the whole thing on fire with alchemist fire yeah. 
So they had their barbarians. I, I hesitate to say sneak. He kind of just slid down a hill on the back of a shield and crashed into the camp and then just started rampaging around. Yeah. And that sounds about right. <laughs> while the other people tried to sneak in or or just like walk in without making too much of a fuss. And they started a huge battle. There were fireballs and lightning bolts flying everywhere. And the head slaver, which was this this woman dressed up in finery, came out to confront Dylan. And and Dylan, you you remember what happened, right? Um no. Oh, Dylan Dylan picked up a sword that was just like uh because there I think your weapons have been taken or hadn't brought yeah, them in. Yeah, yeah. So he picked up just a random sword that was laying around and he critted my boss to death. I, I triple twenty her, didn't yep. I? You triple double twenty. You, you double twentyed her and you stabbed her in the throat. <laughs> and it turns out when you've been stabbed in the throat, all of your spell casting doesn't mean shit. Can't talk without a throat. Exactly. So so my first yeah. boss just like blast. <laughs> But it was a, it was a it was a great moment. It was a it was a it was a pinnacle moment for reptile as a mm-hmm. counter slavery cavalier. Because I I totally liberated this camp. Yep, like, by burning it to the ground, taking away the support structure of all those slaves. Yeah, better off free in the desert than um, enslaved and fed and watered. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after they demolished, I mean, you're they're probably gonna die. You just sped it up. <laughs> After they demolished that slave camp, they left, and they traveled to a mountaintop keep where uh, Reptile's Order of Cavaliers was from. They went all the Mm -hmm. way up the mountains, they left their horses down at the bottom, along with uh, Reptile's horse, Sivart. Sivart, yes. Which is just Travis spelled backwards, because Travis uh, wanted to have, uh, it was a different game, he wanted to have a character or like a pet named after himself and then mike told him no and then so i knew that story and so i came to this game and every game where it's been applicable and i was like oh i have a pet or a horse or something and its name is sivart which is travis spelled backwards and then mike approved it and then i revealed like a session in like oh yeah that's just travis spelled backwards i was like god damn it and then it's just been a running joke ever since so i just reuse that name anywhere and everywhere oh yeah i love it I love Sivart the horse. It's so great. He had like a green mohawk. Oh yeah, it was awesome. So we so they left the horses down there along with Sivart, and they they cl- they climbed up this mountain uh, into the keep. And when they got there, everything was kind of weird. Like Reptile was a member of these cavaliers, so they should have been treating him with a certain amount of respect and understanding. But everyone was being really sketchy and Lovecraftian, fishman like, and mm-hmm. they they slowly started separating out the party members. I was actually really proud of this as a DM because it was one of the first times where I felt like I successfully separated the party into multiple groups and kept the momentum going so that nobody felt like they were sitting around or waiting too long. Mm-hmm. And I got to have all these cool moments where like something would happen and just like in a TV show, I would cut to one of the other groups. So several of them had wound up in the it had wound up like separated and Several of them were, were were locked away in a lunchroom. And eventually, you just started murdering people. Well, it started with the nurse. Right? Yeah, he murdered a nurse to start with. She was being suspicious. And 
if I recall correctly, I wanted to hit her with the blunt side of my hammer. Yeah, the blunt side. That's how I described it, which I didn't realize at the time was retarded. Right. <laughs> Because, like, it's a hammer. It's a Lucene hammer. So it's like a hammer on one side and a pike on the other, right? And I wanted to knock her out with non-lethal damage. And to communicate to Robbie, oh, I want to hit her for non-lethal, was, oh, I want to hit her with the blunt side of my hammer. Which is, he's like, oh, okay, hit her with the blunt side of your hammer. I double-20'd her. Yep. She immediately died, but was conveniently evil. (laughs) So he he rolls the first 20, and I'm like... Okay, well, you definitely hit. He rolls it again, and this person was basically possessed by a hostile intelligence, like a some kind of parasite in her brain. So there wasn't, there probably wasn't a lot of fixing her. But he smacks her with her hammer, or he smacks her with his hammer, and her head goes around like two hundred and seventy degrees, and her tongue flops out. She crumples to the ground. <laughs> And starts like you know gasping like a fish yep. or something, gasping <laughs> and writhing. And then, and then, the minute that that happens, everyone in the all, all of the the crazy uh, psychotic mutants or whatever start freaking out. Uh, they fight their way to the bottom of that keep where there's an old dwarven tunnel, and they find mm-hmm. a I, I believe it was a dwarven necromancer was behind it. Oh. But what's funny is that before we find the Dwarven Necromancer, we fight a gelatinous cube, and I double-twentied it as well, but you can't crit a slime. And I was distraught. I was like, this is the luckiest I've ever oh, been, no, no, no. It, and I've been denied. It wasn't a gelatinous cube, it was a, a, a giant flea person. They, they had, like, this giant belly full of blood, and they were treated like an ooze. Ugh. <laughs> That's right. So he smacked it with the hammer, and then I was like, yeah, double twenty. you hit it. Crit confirmed. Unfortunately, it's immune to bludgeoning damage. I was so sad. I'm like, are you shitting me right now? (laughs) That was the second one in one game session. I think you're fine. I know. It was like, that never happened again. Like, two double 20s in one session. I never achieved that again. (laughs) Look, I would have been really salty if you'd have killed two of my enemies in in a row. (laughs) That would have been kind of sketchy, yeah. but I was rolling physical dice, and you saw. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That was all. It was all legit. It was all in person. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because Mike and Jordan have told me about that. Well, I mean, I've heard heard this story before, obviously, but um, but like the, I think they were they were saying triple twenties, and it's like instant kill, needed done whatever. It's right? so the, the alternate rule is that if you roll a twenty and you roll a twenty to confirm. And then you confirm a second time, meaning that you've rolled three times. That third confirm is an instant kill. That's the alternate rule for specifically double twenties and then a confirm. Okay, yeah, but uh, Mike did that in one of my games, and he cut uh, a dragon like clean in half with his greatsword. Awesome, Seems legit. <laughs> it's just like, well, <laughs> I like the rule, but it was just like one of those moments where like I didn't expect it to happen at that point. I'm like, well. Uh, Okay, yeah, you cut the dragon in half. It's always possible. Well, yeah, and that that one in four hundred chance of getting the the instant kill, like it feels so satisfying when you land it, even if you just kill like some mook. It's always satisfying. So tell me more about this necromancy. Oh yeah, so they got to the bottom of this uh this keep, uh, and underneath the keep there were dwarven catacombs, and in the dwarven catacombs there was this necromancer who was after the same artifact that they had come for. So Dylan, being a cavalier, 
challenges him to honorable combat. Of course. And this this character was such a badass. Like they get they get into this fight. And it turns into the old man fight from the end of Metal Gear Solid 4. By the way, Reptile the 34th was an old man with, like, graying hair. Like, he wasn't young, which made it even better. Oh, yeah, they, they were, they were, he was old and the dwarf was, like, dwarf old, but he was a dwarf, so who can tell? But they, they started hitting each other, and then I think both of them got down to, like, exactly zero hit points. So they were- So we were on our, le- on our knees, like, downed fighting still both of them were just like the end of Metal Gear Solid yeah it was exactly the same and then he finally like landed the last hit and knocked the dwarf out yeah it was with my shield because it was my shield was like tied to my arm and I used it as a slicing edge and I decapitated him (laughs) he was a necromancer (laughs) he probably deserved it yeah um it, yeah, it, it got it got really brutal though. Like there at the end, it was very much an homage to Metal Gear Solid Four. That is for sure. And then, in exchange, he acquired this artifact, which was a shield like passed down within his uh, cavalier uh, keep order. Yeah, order that gave you a bunch of bonuses. I think, but more importantly, it was one of the the several objects that they needed to collect in order to 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 rescue the unicorns and get their wishes. So the next one and I'll be honest, I don't really remember what that second artifact was. I remember you needed to plane hop for it. Yeah, the rest of the campaign is a little fuzzy for me too. So there was the uh you you went into um the forest that had all the giant animals. That was when Volrath Oh, and the and then the true neutral druids, right? Yes. Where you actually roleplayed like a true neutral NPC and we were all like shocked. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, true neutral is a great alignment for stuff and things. We didn't know how to talk to him. Like, we we were stumped. We couldn't convince them of anything. <laughs> yeah, it was Look, I I'll be honest, like setting you up against true neutral NPCs is kind of the same thing as putting you on like tech support with the the hell call line. It's <laughs> It's really just a, a a way to try and get you guys to take action. What I mainly remember is when I I there was a forest and there was a clearing in the forest with giant shadows flying above and I was I was curious to see what you guys would do, and Jordan's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to run across the clearing. Oh, didn't he get swooped up by a rock? He sure did. Ugh. He got swooped up by a rock, and... We we almost didn't save him. <laughs> and he was like, do your worst! I go, hey, well, roll grapple with this rock. That's what, that's what he always says. And by the way, victim, if you ever say do your worst when Jordan's the DM, he will make good on the promise. Oh no, we make sure to tell him and remind him every time that he should do his worst. Because he will, and it's amazing, every time. Well, it turns out that his, his barbarian was really strong, but he wasn't able to out-grapple a rock. Uh, which created some additional problems, because even if he killed the rock, he was still really high in the air. And I think he wound up having to, like, burn a spell to, like, summon someone to help him. Like, burn a magic item. Yeah, he summoned uh, something. I don't remember what it was. 
Oh, he saw. Su- I remember he summoned the Margrave because you would kill the Margrave's wife, and so right. Yep. Oh yeah, that woman. That woman that uh, that reptile stabbed was actually the wife of another character. He had another blood debt going on, but they were busy in other naturally dealing with giant animals. They fought their way to the middle of this overgrown section of the giant forest, which was filled with fungus and rot and mold. Insects, too. There were a ton of insects. And they 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 basically had to swim through all of this gunk to get to the bottom, where there was a giant tree of corpses. And the main thing I remember is that I made a, uh, yeah, so, so they fought this tree made of corpses, and it set up a wall of force, which kept them busy for an hour. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, wall of force is just an invisible wall that can't be damaged. But you can climb over it just fine. So we didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't know that. So they they ran into this invisible wall, and so they they tried to bash it down. They didn't try to go around it. They didn't try to go over it. They didn't try to go under it or dispel it. They were they had three barbarians, and goddamn it, they were gonna bash it down. <laughs> <laughs> so a wall of force is indestructible. Uh, it can't be destroyed by force. That's like one of its key things. So after spending, I think, and our. Our sorceress didn't check knowledge arcana to let us know. Uh I'm 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 honestly not convinced that, that she could have done anything about the the wall, even if she'd have known what it was. How is she gonna convince the three barbarians eager to bust the wall that you can't bust the wall? Like they're gonna try. So they they attacked the wall a couple of times and then finally they realized that it was only ten feet high and they could climb over it. <laughs> And, but I think they only figured that out once it got spattered with, like, gunk. Like, once they finally saw where the lip of it was. And, uh, they fought this giant rot monster at the bottom of the hole, and then replaced it with the Forgotten Fertility God? I'm sure that didn't have any negative consequences. Right. Everything was fine. <laughs> that was my out for uh, getting that guy off my back if i recall yeah you, correctly you needed to find somewhere to leave him and that place had the druids and the giant animals and like it was alive instead of being a desert it made sense at the time it felt like like the the, the pro gamer move at the time but i don't remember how good of a move that was oh, i think it was a pretty good move uh i we'll, we'll get around like i was planning to revisit a lot of this stuff uh, but from there, you seem surprised that I brought up that god because previously, like you, you would bring him up to remind me, right? Oh yeah. I, but this this time, I reminded you because it was like this is my opening. <laughs> like, well, I think, and I, I that yeah. we talked about this earlier. Like, that's the best kind of thing is when you bring up a thing I wasn't thinking about as a player, or I'm the DM, you're the player, and you bring up something I wasn't thinking about. That makes me change what I'm doing, as opposed to just, like, telling you Mm -hmm. what happens from the story I'd already planned. And I got that stupid god off my back. (laughs) Now, I don't remember why, but you guys wound up needing to go to Isgard, because you were, I 
I think you had I think you had a poison or an illness. Right. It was going to kill us. And we're like, wait, if we go to Isgard, we'll wake up the next day not dead anymore. So we we're like, let's just go to Isgard and die. Yeah, which seems like not the most efficient way of dealing with it, but it sounded fun. So uh, they went. And I think we came up with the idea like you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were just like, no, we're going to go to Isgard and, and, and die. We had the means to travel planes. Uh, and so we're like, yeah, pick this one. Victory by suicide. We'll go here. We'll die. We'll wake up again, and we won't be poisoned anymore. <laughs> and admittedly, it was a good plan. It, f- it followed the rules that I'd used for Isgard before, but uh, I had them show up in the middle of a battle. Yeah, and apparently, when you fall in battle, they take a trophy from you. So we all lost something. Like we, there was a consequence to die. Yes, there was a consequence, and I I kind of made a. That's where I refined that rule about Isgard, where, like, there's always, they always take something from you, but they intentionally don't take, like, your best thing. It's, it's supposed to be, like, mm-hmm. a sort of a friendly gambling ante, not like a, we're gonna take away your, your one cool thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think anybody lost anything too serious. Like, I wasn't gonna take away Dylan's, like, super cool shield that he just got. Right. But, uh, that was, that was a fun, uh, side episode before they had to go and fight uh, one of my favorite monsters in all of D&D. The Shivhod. So for the I don't remember this fight. What happened? So I for those of you who don't know what a Shivhod is, it's basically a giant crab with 10 or 12 mouths on the end of tentacles that come out from the, the center mass of the crab and they just talk and scream like a gibbering mouther in any language that it wants. They live on glaciers and the only information that the that the monster manual has on them, or I think it's the Frostburn book, but the information is that they are so intelligent that they're actions are beyond mortal understanding so that you can just do whatever with them and i had the players go to recover a artifact from the glacier where the creature was living and it was just a big boss fight they had to go and uh it was pretty dramatic everybody wound up being almost freezing to death uh, Sivart almost got crushed under the the falling Shivhod, and someone had to grab it, uh, Sivart, and haul Sivart out of the way with a strength check. But again, combat I feel is is really hard to like describe in really good detail. Oh man, did I cut out again? Uh, uh, nope. No, sorry. Oh yeah. Go so uh, this so this giant crab is gibbering at them. They're all being driven mildly insane by its crazy rambling. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> uh it was it was it was it was pretty close to the end. And they finally strike this thing down and they gather they've gathered together these these artifacts and there's kind of like a a bright shimmering shine and they wake up in that same dream area, the morning lands. Where we started, yeah. Where the, where the whole game had started. And the unicorns were like, Oh, we must we must complete the ritual. And we must grant you your wishes. 
And so they went through and everybody got to make their wish. And I don't even remember what everybody wished for. Everybody had different wishes for things. Yeah, mine was slavery related. I think I wished for like uh, slavery on my home plane to uh, either end or no, no, no. I gave it up. Like I met, I remember mentioning that that's what I should wish for. But I think I I made a wish that benefited that god that I had pawned off on that one plane, like to close the loop on him. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I did something along those lines. Very honor bound of you. Oh yeah, it was. He was a very honorable character. Yeah, it, I, that was a really cool iteration of Reptile. By the way, for the listeners, like I, I had a lot of D and D characters that were named Reptile, just because I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat. I mean, last episode you could probably tell I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat, right? Um, had nothing to do with Mortal Kombat. I just couldn't think of a name, and my my D twenty was green, so I was like, yeah, Reptile. The first one was a wizard, and then the rest of them were. Just completely different and related from each other and i just had new name new numbers at the end of their names this one was the 34th not the 34th reptile it was like my fifth but like i just kept changing the number hey man there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with running a lineage character yeah i closed the loop on that in my mutants and masterminds campaign i gave a reason behind the numbers they were all multi-dimensional clone nonsense but it's besides the point so we we showed up in the morning lands yeah, you, you showed up in the Morning Lands, everybody made their wishes, and then the unicorns were like, okay, well, now we just have to complete this ritual. And uh, each, of the, each of the artifacts that they had gathered were something that was meaningful to the characters themselves, that was like, con- that connected them to the world. Like, uh, Dylan's, Dylan's shield was a uh, a signifier of his aura tied him to the world. And they basically performed a big sacrificing ritual that brought all of the humans to the morning lands and took all of the unicorns in the morning lands and put them back on the prime material plane, trapping all the players into this extra dimensional space and freeing the the unicorns who were not their friends actually played like a damn fiddle so they got all of their wishes but all of their wishes are in this extra dimensional space and i always meant to come back and run like a part two escape from the morning lands it never happened it just never happened but it was that's where it ended oh man it, it was a great ending because I feel like and you guys it was two years of my real life to get there. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea how hard it was to like not not give any like indication that, that this was all going to end in a betrayal. Yeah, like I didn't see it coming. I di- I did not. How are unicorns supposed to be fucking evil? Like unicorns are never evil. <laughs> why do you think they were there in the first place somebody sent them there we never questioned it we never questioned it hey man the reason why you don't know about any evil unicorns is because they were all you know put in jail in uh unicorn jail yeah unicorn jail hello and welcome to the outro melomancy podcast episode 27 i'd like to remind you all real quick 
that I don't know if between now and the next episode, if it's going to be audio only or if it's going to be video or if we're just going to take a fucking vacation. It's the holidays and it's a global pandemic. You should spend it with your family. That's what we're going to do. This is just a hobby. I'm not paid to be here, right? Wait, you didn't get paid? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you didn't get paid? Shit. No, but um, so... Like I was saying earlier in this episode, uh, haven't decided yet if me and Victim are going to experiment with a video format just because it seems to be like the greatest opportunity to do so because there's no editing involved uh, and that we can get away with and still kind of enjoy our vacation. Whereas, you know, a week's worth of editing of audio, not in the holiday months, man. Like we'll be back at it in January. But um, if that's the case, see you in January. If not, uh, make sure you subscribe or follow, follow and subscribe to a victim of gaming, Twitch.tv. I won't, I won't say no. Right. I, I gave victim a tier three sub. I didn't know what a tier three sub was. I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to get a most expensive one. And he was like, oh my God, thank you, Dylan. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it because I, I, I wanted your reaction. I, I was only doing it because you were streaming and I, I, I told Destiny, like, we can afford this, right? And she's like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, yeah, fucking do it. <laughs> And then Jordan followed suit. And Jordan followed suit with the tier three sub. That's like thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to troll him, what you should do is just get him as many tier three subs as possible. I think I think Vic would really just like be super tilted if that happened. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have a very angry reaction for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Support small streamers. Ninja doesn't need another thirty bucks. Give it to victim. You know, he'll probably give you feet pics. Anyway, you can find Victim at twitter.com slash mm underscore victim. The brand account, as always, twitter.com slash melomancy. You can find me personally at shitposter.club slash dylon. And those are the places where you can find the updates based on are, are we going to do a video show? Are we not? I think what most likely will happen is we'll probably do the video show, which more reason to follow victim on twitch and then follow me on social media because i'm going to be streaming at cow or spacecowboy.cc which is a friend of mine made a self-hosting stream software and her website for like the demo is spacecowboy.cc because that's the domain that she owns whatever uh my account is there and that's where i will be streaming my copy of the show and then my copy of the show is probably what's going to get re-uploaded to odyssey.com or maybe we'll just take a vacation. I don't fucking know. And if you want to hear more from Robbie, he's on our Discord, the Melomancy Discord. He's in other places too, but join our Discord. Or if you don't have a Discord account, don't sign up because fuck Discord, seriously. Uh, but if you've already got an account, join us. We're stuck with it until something new comes along. I've complained about it before. Uh, other details are on melomancy.net.